With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to blacktalkradionetwork.com. Helping you filter through the noise. Real talk. Black talk. Juicy prime rib, a glossy art book, a few days off work without worrying about bills. These desires may feel unattainable to workers earning close to minimum wage here in the U.S. As the debate about raising the federal minimum wage drags on, NPR's Alina Selyuk spoke with people living on less than 10 or $11 an hour. Joyce Barnes sometimes pauses walking out of the grocery store. When I see the people coming in with these baskets loaded and all these goodies, I'm like, oh man, I wish I could have it like that. But I'm not the one. Her weekly grocery budget is $25. Bread, butter, coffee, bit of meat, and canned tuna. I wish I had the money to get those big old steaks and those big old pork chops and stuff like that. I don't have a whole lot left after I pay my bills. Barnes is 62. She's a home care aide in Virginia, working two jobs. One for $9.87 an hour, the other for eight fifty an hour. Each is about six hours a day, caring for one person who lost both their legs, then hustling off to help someone who's lost use of one side of their body in a stroke. Barnes gets home around 9 p.m., then up at 5 a.m. to do it all over again. Actually, I had to work like this all my life. One of my little grandkids, he always put my ringtone, is work, 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 work. She says, Nanny, when you call me, I know it's you because that's all you do is work. She can't afford not to. Home and health aides are among the lowest paid jobs in America. Also on that list are cooks and cashiers, file clerks and janitors, drivers and construction workers. The most common low-wage work is in retail. Here's 20-year-old Cade Montooth. It just kind of hit a point where we just couldn't afford food. Montooth has been working at a PetSmart in Georgia for a couple of years. You know, we'd sit there and we're like, okay, what can we buy? We can buy like pasta sides that are a dollar and then, you know, that's what we get for the week. Pandemic cutbacks at the store left Montooth working shorter and shorter shifts, now making $11 an hour. Recently, they secured a second job at a state park reptile center, also for 11 an hour. But for a while, it was touch and go, picking up pet sitting and Instacart delivery gigs, coming to terms with needing food stamps. Constant financial close calls, like when a mistimed bill left them stranded at a gas station with $5 in the bank or when their cat got really sick. We kind of just had to go, okay, don't do any of these tests. We're going to just take care of her now and pray that, you know, she ends up okay. When experts do studies about low-wage jobs, workers like Montooth and Barnes are actually often left out. Traditionally, labor data focus on the, quote, prime working age, 25 to 54. Martha Ross from the Brookings Institution decided to expand her research to workers 18 to 64, including part-timers, and was shocked at her discovery. When we did our analysis, we found that 53 million people earn low wages with a median earnings of 10.22 an hour. 53 million people. 
If Congress decides to phase in a $15 minimum wage by 2025, a government forecast estimates 1.4 million jobs would get cut and at least 17 million workers would get a raise. It's hard to have any type of a nest egg. Aisha Francis from North Carolina used to be a nurse's assistant for $12 an hour, but she worried about exposing her elderly mother to the coronavirus and took a job in a burger joint kitchen with a pay cut to $9.20. I say it all the time, I'm robbing Peter to pay Paul and robbing Paul to pay Joe, and they're just going to have to argue about it. Juggling bills for water, gas, light, groceries, whatever her son needs, he's 12 years old. She wishes politicians in Washington debating whether minimum wage should be 10 or 11 or $15 an hour lived a day like she does, with almost two hours on a bus just to get to work. I challenge any of them to walk one day in our shoes, one day, get up, do the kids, catch the bus, work our job, get back on the bus, deal with what we have to deal with at home, face these bills, they'll be lost at catching the bus. When I talk to workers about why they stay in these jobs, people often say there aren't many options around them. Francis and Joyce Barnes from Virginia both said something else, something really frustrating. They love their work. It's the pay that sucks. Barnes, like many home aides, talks about taking care of people like a calling. But that love has been tested. A few years ago, her grandson, a teenager, got a janitorial job. And he was like, man, you know how much I get paid? And I was like, no, baby, how much you get? He said, man, I get ten fifty an hour. And I looked at him, my whole face dropped. I said, oh, baby, that's so good. Ten fifty is more than she gets paid at either of her jobs. If Barnes got a big raise, she says she would probably cut back on her crazy hours, take a few days off. I asked her when she last had a vacation, and at first she said maybe six years ago, but then caught herself, realizing she took that time off because she'd landed in the hospital. A friend has told her about Louisiana. I always want to go to New Orleans. I always want to go there. To walk down Bourbon Street and see drapes of moss cascading of tree branches and not have to think about work. Alina Seljuk, NPR News. COVID-19 has placed a spotlight on nursing homes, which have been hard hit by the virus. But two new national studies show that even before the pandemic, the nursing home industry was in crisis. As Gabriella Emanuel of member station GBH in Boston reports, the numbers paint a picture of places where it's unappealing to work and risky to live. In high school, McDavid Rodriguez spent two years training to become a certified nursing assistant. So-called CNAs are on the front lines in nursing homes, feeding patients, bathing them, helping them use the bathroom. I always told them, hey, if you need help, don't be scared. You know, I'm here for you. Rodriguez liked being useful, but he says the work's hard and the pay's poor. He and his colleagues would sometimes ask for a raise. And they refused. They refused to increase it. And if they did, it was by a few cents. It's never been like a dollar, not even one dollar, just a few cents. After four years as a CNA, Rodriguez is now an Amazon shopper at Whole Foods. And his pay's gone up by $3 an hour. It's no wonder that individuals leave this workforce. David Grabowski is a professor of healthcare policy at Harvard Medical School. He co-authored the first national study looking at staff turnover in nursing homes before the pandemic. The average nursing home in the U.S. has their entire nursing home staff change over over the course of the calendar year. This is a horrible way to provide 
good quality nursing home care. A second national study also presents a bleak picture. Private equity firms have been a growing force in healthcare, and Atul Gupta at the University of Pennsylvania worked with colleagues to find out what the impact has been. They wanted to know, when a private equity firm takes over a nursing home, is it good for patients? And the answer was decidedly no. Deaths went up 10%. But you don't expect to find these type of mortality effects. And so, you know, we double-checked it, triple-checked it, quadruple-checked it. And it held up. A troubling trend emerged. These homes started spending more on things not related to patient care, like interest payments, lease payments, management fees. And at the same time, the number of frontline nurses decreased. Gupta also found more antipsychotic drugs were used. He speculates that's to keep patients docile with fewer CNAs around. But some say private equity is not at fault for all the problems at U.S. nursing homes. That private equity is not involved in the day-to-day decision-making around these things. That's Jay Wagner. He's at the real estate services firm Cushman and Wakefield, where he focuses on senior living and skilled nursing facilities. He says one way private equity firms make money is buying a nursing home and then selling off the building. The cash goes to the investors while the nursing home operator starts paying rent for the facility they used to own. But Wagner says even to those in private equity, the nursing home industry is pretty unappealing. It's a very challenging business, candidly. So what is happening? It's not good for the staff, the patients, or even the owners necessarily. All parties blame the payment system. Medicaid pays for most nursing home care, and reimbursement rates are notoriously low. The American Healthcare Association and National Center for Assisted Living, a trade group, said in a statement that these new studies expose chronic underfunding. The group says it's so bad that most nursing homes barely break even, hence the low wages and drive to cut costs. But Gupta and Grabowski have some tips when looking for a place to send a family member. Don't just rely on the government's star rating system and its Nursing Home Compare website. I would definitely do my research on the quality of the facility, on its history. Has it changed hands recently? If so, who's the new buyer? Talk to the staff. How long have you worked here? How long have other staff been there? And don't be swayed by the glossy ads or glass chandeliers. For NPR News, I'm Gabriella Emanuel. And you see, the denial of racism is essential to its maintenance. In other words, the pretense that this is really not there. Uh, and we don't need to look at it. We don't need to talk about it. And again, I would say it's like the media cover-up with Donald Sterling. He said in his own words that in the state of Israel, black people are treated worse than dogs. And the media hushed that up. The American people give billions of dollars in tax money to the state of Israel. Black people give their tax money to support the state of Israel, but black people are mistreated there. Should this not be talked about? If not, why not? Excellent point. Excellent point. Um... A listener, they wrote in a question about uh, the Donald Sterling, I mean, not Donald Sterling, about uh, 
Elliot Roger, their question was, uh, how does uh, Roger's diagnosis of autism fit into all this? Uh, do you think he was really autistic or do you think he was having a reaction to racism? I think he was having a reaction to racism. Mm. Mm. I would do see in other words, one could. Uh, in other words, I haven't examined him and won't have an opportunity to examine him. But based on what we see in his manifesto, he's talking about the pain and anguish being non-white in a system of racism, white supremacy. And this is what my practice is all about. The number of people that come in, black people coming in to talk to a black psychiatrist about their mistreatment on the job. And the number of people that I've told that they have post and continuous traumatic stress because of the racial abuse the racial abuse that many black people experience on jobs is absolutely horrendous. It's as though they are still on the plantation. The way that they are abused and no place to turn. Because of the denial of racism on the part of people who classify themselves as white. And I would say the vast majority of white people denied the existence of racism as a powerful dynamic. You see, so that the abuse of people, I mean, people come in my office, males and females, practically in tears because of what they have to endure in the workplace. And yet the American Psychiatric Association wants to minimize the reality of racism. And I say that's why we have an Elliot Rogers. Or is what's the other gentleman's name who was uh, fired from the police force? Christopher Dorner. Christopher Dorner. Christopher Dorner. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I was going to ask about Donald Sterling, but that workplace race, we talk about that all the time. Uh, we have people call in every Saturday. Uh, we spend an hour uh, just talking about incidents, observations, problems that people are dealing with. Uh, what are some of the suggestions that you give out when people come in and they have incidents about how they're being mistreated uh, on the job and dealing with racism on the job? Like, what are some of the uh, suggestions that you routinely give out for black people dealing with that or non-white people? Well, first of all, I try to help people understand what racism is all about. Now, that doesn't make it any easier because racism is actually, racism, white supremacy, is like a form of warfare being conducted against black people, black people in general and black male persons in particular. And so I tell people they have to understand it as war. They have to develop tactics and strategies like on in job situations. Document, document, document the things that are said to you. This is the whole pattern of people being denied promotions, the whole pattern of people trying to be downgraded after having outstanding evaluations, 
and then a new supervisor comes on with the goal, with the assignment to get rid of the black person and downgrading the person's performance. Now, this is, this is warfare against people. And by helping them understand racism as a system and therefore putting this pattern of warfare in the workplace, putting it in perspective, but it doesn't solve the problem of the trauma. And a lot of people can't afford to get lawyers. Some people can afford to get lawyers. And even when they get lawyers, it's an uphill battle to try to prove what is indeed happening to them in the workplace. But this is why, you know, if we say it, if we talk about a black agenda, I say that black people must have the agenda. I would put emphasis on insisting upon the, that it be admitted that we indeed are in a system structure of racism, white supremacy. Do you see, in other words, if the, if the black collective in this part of the world, if we insisted that racism, white supremacy as a system structure is the reality that black people face, and not calling it Jim Crow or not calling it segregation, say a total system structure, of racism, white supremacy, and we insist upon it and we insist that it be recognized in much the same way that Semites of the Jewish religion insist that there be recognition of the Holocaust that they experienced. Do you see? I mean, it's against the law in some places to deny that the Holocaust occurred. Well, black people need to be insisting upon the recognition that we are indeed in a system structure of racism, white supremacy, so that every individual black person doesn't have to try to do it by themselves in the situation that they find themselves in. The president and the founder of the Connecticut Parents Union, who is a black woman, said when she recently went inside this TD Bank on Queen Street in Southington, she couldn't believe what she was told when trying to make a withdrawal. I go inside, I hand my TD Bank card and my license. They were cordial. I'm not even going to say they were rude. But then she said she was waiting. And I see her over there, and it's like, oh, she looked like she's going through my account. Okay, maybe that's just the policy. A couple of minutes later, the teller came back. And she hands me my license, and she says, uh, I don't feel comfortable giving you the money. She was attempting to withdraw over $1,000 to pay a vendor of the Connecticut Parents Union. So I got confused. So I said... You don't feel comfortable giving me the money? I said, I just, she said, well, you, you just deposited a check yesterday. Gwen told the teller the check had already cleared and that she had confirmed this by checking online. And she said, oh, yeah, it cleared. The money's available. I just don't feel comfortable giving it to you. She felt humiliated, then went outside to the bank's ATM. I went to the ATM and took out the money, the max. No problem. She went to another nearby TD branch and was able to withdraw the money she tried to in Southington. If they don't improve, 
Then we just have to escalate and then move our money. In a statement to Fox 61, TD Bank says, quote, we take this matter seriously and we'll review it. At TD Bank, we proudly serve diverse communities and customers and do not discriminate in the services we provide or the products we offer. Gwen Samuel, who's been a TD Bank customer for 16 years, says she's made sure to let state and federal lawmakers know of her experience. In Southington, Tony Terzi, Fox 61 News. All right, Tony, thank you. Black brother, black brother to hell. A Queens woman goes on a racist rant over a mask request at a bakery on the Lower East Side. The man who took the brunt of the attack spoke first today to CBS 2's Jessica Moore, and she's live outside the Essex Market now, right now, with that story. Jessica? Christine and Dick, Vic is the kind of guy every mother hopes their son grows up to be like. He's so confident and so comfortable in his own skin that even when he's targeted by heinous racial slurs, he remains calm and he responds with kindness. He's not going to sign this up. Please leave. The video is difficult to watch. Queen's mother, Stephanie De Niro, refuses to wear a mask at Davidovich Bakery inside Essex Market on Sunday. Her young children standing by as she accosts the cashier, yelling racial insults. What she said was really horrible, and she's saying really racist slurs in front of four biracial children who are just kind of there frozen. That's what he is. Hello, ma'am. You need to go. All of a sudden, what's going through your head when she starts screaming obscenities at you? I mean, I couldn't believe it at first because I feel like we've been living in this environment where we were wearing masks for about a year and plus. Vic is the 30-year-old cashier targeted by De Niro's rant. He called the attack disappointing and frustrating, especially since he was simply enforcing the Essex market policy requiring customers to wear masks inside. A lot of people are praising you for having such incredible grace under pressure. Yes, what gave you the strength to just be so calm? I mean, honestly, I feel like we've been going through this, you know, racism. We went through COVID all year last year. We went through George Floyd. I felt like we was moving forward. I'm educated enough and smart enough, and I think that we're in a world where, like, you know what I mean? I think love surpasses hatred. Seeing her kids right next to her. I couldn't even say anything to her. De Niro refused to explain herself on camera, but told me over the phone that her kids have a black father who uses the N-word colloquially. She maintains that masks infringe on her constitutional rights. People sort of all over the country have reached out to me and said, we so would have understood if your employee had behaved differently and had reacted differently. And that's just a credit to to him and to his behavior and his professionalism. As for Vic, he says he hopes De Niro can learn from the growing backlash against her behavior. If you could talk to her now after all is said and done, what yes. would you say to her? I'll just be like, you know, don't do it for me. Don't do it for anybody else. Don't do it for any black man per se. Treat everybody uh, genuinely for your kids as well, especially in front of your kids. The woman in the video, Stephanie De Niro, also told me there is a fake apology circulating online, someone pretending to be her on Instagram. I asked her point blank, was that you? She said, I did not write that apology. So then I said, well, are you sorry? And to that, she had no comment. We're live on the Lower East Side. Jessica Moore, CBS 2 News. All right, Jessica, thank you. Good morning, I'm Rachel Martin. A Georgia man probably expected his last paycheck from a former employer to come in the mail. Instead, Andreas Flatten was shocked to find $915 in his driveway 
in pennies. Flatten said the 90,000 pennies were covered in some oily substance. Flatten's former boss told a local TV station he didn't remember whether he dropped the pennies off or not. Flatten wasn't amused, but he and his girlfriend are trying to be positive. They say they've already found one penny from 1937. It's Morning Edition. Context of white supremacy. I was trying to check out uh, Mr. Flatten, Andreas Flatten, to see if this is a white person or a non-white person. Uh, they have lots of pictures uh, of the wheelbarrow uh, of pennies, but they do not have a picture of uh, Andreas Flatten to see if this is a white person or a non-white person. Um, Gusty Renegade, context of white supremacy, in for another broadcast, neutralizing workplace racism. Today's date, Friday, March 26. 2021, so I have been told I'm a little bit bummed to be inside today because spring, it looks and feels like spring. It was a little bit warmer. It's been a little bit warmer this whole week. It was sunny, and there were reports that there were strange lights in the sky outside right now. So I wanted to go look, but then we had the program. So this is another moment where I wish we had solved this problem so I could be out Stargate where it's not even nighttime. I could just be out looking at the sky like, what? What lights? What's going on? If there is uh, alien presence, be careful of the individuals classified as white and take me with you. Back to neutralizing workplace racism. If anyone has time, Andreas, A-N-D-R-E-A-S, Flatten, F-L-A-T-E-N, uh, if you can see if he is a white person or a non-white person, uh, where they dumped all these. Oh, 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 think we got it. think we got it. Looks like someone classified as white. Uh, okay. Took a while to get a picture of him. Just wanted to see. But uh, the only reason I included that uh, in workplace racism, just the tackiness of it to get his last paycheck. And I mean, the time and energy to drop off 92,000 pennies. I don't know how many of you all have 90. Do you have 1,000 pennies like laying around, much less 92,000 pennies? And to go get a wheelbarrow so that you can, you know, motor all this to some person's house and dump it there. I talked about vindictiveness there's so much of this in oh <laughs> see they left out so not all of that and then they put a note on top of the wheelbarrow with the f-bomb and apparently this might not have even been left in a wheelbarrow i think that might have been his effort afterwards it looked like it might have just been dumped in a pile like all of the pennies, and then with the note of F you on top of it, like, what is it? it doesn't get any better than tacky. And this is what they did to someone who's classified as white. So, you know, negras, it might have been, you know, pile of dog poo, anything. Uh, let's see. So we had quite a bit of segments at the beginning. Uh, the first segment, they talked about the nursing home staff. Oh, 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 oh. The very first segment, they talked about Joyce Barnes, who is a black female in the Coon Man, the great state of Virginia. So they're talking about Joyce Barnes, 62, grandmother, 
And at the very beginning, we just talked about you are what your grandparents ate. She's a grandmother. So it says, Joyce Barnes sometimes pauses leaving the grocery store. A crowd shifts past, loaded up with goodies, white people probably. Barnes pictures herself walking out with big steaks and pork chops, some crab meat. Eh, eh, eh. All of that is, you know, <laughs> you are what your grandparents ate. I mean, pork chops, my God. Crab meat is really high in cholesterol, salt, uh, steak. You want to avoid red meat. That was in the book specifically. If you're trying to avoid uh, colon cancer and the like, reduce your red meat content. thought she was going to say something like kale and Brussels sprouts and organic fresh vegetables and pork chops. My God. Anyways, after all that. But I'm not the one, she says. Inside her bags are bread, butter, coffee, a bit of meat, and canned tuna, a weekly grocery budget of $25. The title of the book we just covered, You Are What Your Grandparents Ate. No vet. So even the wish list did not contain any fruits, vegetables, legumes, none of that. We got red meat, pork chops, crab meat. And then what we're actually, that's the wish list. And then what we're actually getting, bread, butter, coffee, bit of meat, doesn't even explain what that is. Chicken, spam, ham, bologna, chicken nuggets, and canned tuna. Man. I would submit even with $25, uh, particularly if you could go uh, to a bulk store, you could eat pretty well. Even vegan, uh, you could do beans, you could do rice. Uh, let's see, I'm trying to think. Veggies, you could do canned vegetables. Um, you could probably even with beans, rice, tofu, chickpeas. I tell everybody all the time, chickpeas that could be a direct substitute for tuna. You can make a chickpea tuna fish salad, uh, but you could do so much with chickpeas. Like my goodness, you can make curry, you can make soup, you can eat. The chickpeas themselves, you can make hummus, uh, chickpeas, chickpeas, beans, rice. Uh, you could add some canned vegetables uh, if you like in there. Probably, like I said, you could probably even get some fresh vegetables, bananas, some apples. Uh, you could get all that, right? Everything I just named, I think you could get enough of that that you could eat for a week, $25, easy. You would still be vegan. You would still uh, be eating much better than canned tuna fish, butter, probably white bread, and some mystery meat. And there are YouTube videos where vegans do this, go out and purchase meals and, in fact, purchase enough food to feed a family of four on a budget of $25. All of that said, that should not have to happen. That is a total disgrace in a system of white, supre uh, white supremacy. You are what your grandparents ate. And talking about her working, uh, these, all of these jobs and her grandson or grandchildren telling, oh, you just work, 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 work. We never get to hang out with you and all of that. I mean, that is a disgrace. All of it, to have to, to do grueling work like that at the age of 62, to eat like that, to make so little money, you have no time and energy to be with your family, to be with your grandchildren. Like, at 62, you, should, you shouldn't be 
having to buy tomatoes or cucumbers or zucchini, you should be working in the garden, like chilling, like uh, go out, do a little garden work, hang out with my grandchild. You know, we do a little yoga, do some class time work, talk about racism. Like that's what you should be doing at 62, not working 50,000 jobs and hoping that I have $25 to get pork chops at the end of the week. Like in the state of the coon man that while they'll sit around and brag that they abolished the death penalty in Virginia like they did something slick to end racism like please uh, let's see so next was the nursing home uh, staffing issues you have lots of black people non-white people who are employed in those positions uh, and they talked about it bad pay bad hours abuse uh, of all kinds racist patients who get to call you nigra and all other types uh, of names, lots of not, and that these are the so-called first responders. These are the folks that talk about tacky, where they were coming out and uh, banging on pots and pans. Remember that they might be still doing that. Said, oh, we 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 love and appreciate you so much. Yes, our essential workers. Mm-hmm. Doesn't get any better than tacky and they're talking about all these folks the attrition they don't want to work there and who would like they've been having all these reports about nursing homes being ground zero in a lot of cases uh for the COVID 19 transmission that was the case here in washington state uh, early on and other facilities in new york as well governor cuomo got in trouble for that and all those you know rape allegations and such but uh yeah, who would want to work there they had the fellow who left said he went to whole foods and got better benefits better pay all of the above. Uh, that will be something to watch, staffing at nursing homes moving forward, also because of the aging white population. Ooh, going to need lots more folks at those facilities. Uh, man, And that's one some folks I've been saying for a while, confidently white people do not care about children. They don't really have a whole lot of concern for old people either. Exhibit A. Uh, let's see. The Grandcestor, Dr. Welsing, uh, we heard folks who were saying that they, uh, in the midst of the violence, so-called anti-Asian violence attacks, white supremacy and terrorism against non-white people, uh, we've had cows listeners who curiously have said that they have taken this moment to go back and listen to all of the uh, episodes of anti-blackness, uh, not about other black people being anti-black, but about so-called Asian people being anti-black. Again, very curious. But if you do, that is one tidbit that you might run across uh, listening to Elliot Roger. His name was mentioned specifically uh, over the past few weeks, and that came uh, from visit number 22 from Dr. Francis Cress Welsing, uh, spring of 2000. We've wasted so many springs talking about racism. Anyway, so the spring of 2014, we were talking about Elliot Roger, and she drifted right seamlessly into workplace racism and talking about the years of trauma. And she did that a few times, talking about black people coming in and talking about they've been beaten up and bullied and terrorized on the job. She said males and females in tears. In fact, she said she had concluded that a number of black people, they are not unemployed because they are lazy, lazy or shiftless, or even that they can't find a job, they are unemployed because they have been so beaten and terrorized that they, as she said, PTSD, that they've just given up. 
they, they just cannot continue to subject themselves to that sort of abuse in the workplace. She said that's just her conclusion. She's seen that for years. Third generation physician. She had decades of practice, but I thought that was so important uh, just to uh, include that uh, in our segment. She was right on time. And didn't you hear her talk about documentation? Didn't just talk about it being bad, what to do about documentation. Few of us, I think, uh, try to emphasize that regularly. She also talked about the importance of having correct expectations. We are in a system of white supremacy racism, so I'm not going to go in thinking that I'm going to be treated like, oh, you're the favorite black brother, and we love you, and you're just great, and we want to make sure your career advances, and that's not what we have. system of white supremacy racism, so I will expect mistreatment, and then I have a code, and I will be documenting as we go. The Grandcestor. Next, we heard uh, Gwen Samuel. Ooh-wee. So Gwen Samuel, I guess I could have played this for the compensatory call-in, but I mean, she's the CEO and founder of the Connecticut Parents Union. Dr. Wellson talks about taking parenting seriously. That sounds like that's what Ms. Samuel is doing, CEO and founder of the Connecticut Parents Group. She's going to the bank not trying to get a million dollars, not trying to get $10,000. They didn't say she had a bloody axe in her backpack and was sweating profusely and nervously asking for $10,000, just a measly 1000 bucks. I won't say measly, but that's not, you know. I don't exactly think you can take over the world with $1,000. Just going to get $1,000 and, hmm. Uh, I just don't feel comfortable giving you this money. And she said she was confused. <laughs> like, I'm not laughing at her. I'm just, I am confused, still learning. But, man, like, wait a minute. Like, uh, are the funds there? Oh, yes, yes, yes absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yep, for sure. They're there. Okay. Uh, do you, you got my identification? Oh, yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so the problem is, oh, I just don't feel comfortable giving them to you. This one resonated with me. Her response, everything about, particularly when she said she, in her confusion, she walks away. She goes to the ATM and extracts the $1,000, and then she goes to a different branch, and she gets the th- it resonated in Gusty Renegade. I mean, it resonated with me in a way like anyone ever, ever, ever wants to know. Like, man, Gusty, you seem like you have, you know, some intelligence. Certainly not a Rhodes Scholar. You're not a genius by any stretch. But I mean, you can add one and one is two. You know, you could do something. You could get a job at Whole Foods, right? That's what that fella did. Do something. You could work, get a job as a janitor. Why are you even doing, you know, this foolishness? You could do something and have a pleasant little life, get some white friends and ride off into the sun. You could do that and teach yoga, right? Why do, you, why do you have to do all this talking about racism and white people and system of white supremacy and all that? I would have gladly behaved on the plantation if they didn't treat me the way they treated 
Gwen Samuel. I had a job. I think I've shared this before. I worked in California, love California, right up there with Seattle. Worked in California, and I worked in the school system. I wasn't a drug dealer. I wasn't a gangbanger, upstanding citizen in the school system. The children are our future. That's what they said. I get my little measly check. Again, I'm not making $50,000 or anything like that. I get my little measly check, my few nickels. I go to the bank. I'm just like Gwen Samuel. I got my identification, two forms actually. Got my social security card, government issue picture identification. I have my check, and the check is issued from the bank branch that I'm going to. Now, I didn't have a bank account at this branch. Shame on me. But I'm going to the bank that issued the check. I get in line. I attempt to cash my check. Mm. Mm. Yeah, we're not going to be able to, uh, to cash this. And they had started and everything. They had written down my, my uh, license information and everything. And I said, what, what is the problem? Yeah, we called your uh, employer, and we're not able to verify that you are actually employed with this organization. So, yeah, we're, we're not going to be able to cash this. I had this happen multiple times. At this point in my life, I was not talking about racism, white supremacy. Thankfully, in one respect, because since I wasn't talking about racism, white supremacy, I have white friends. Thank the Lord. Now, I will tell you, now, every time that happened, all I did was get on the phone and call my white friend. Problem resolved. But I mean, that it was, those were some of the most, just like with uh, Miss Quinn Samuel, some of the most humiliating moments to call a white man to come cash a check where you did the work, you did all of that, grueled to get your little five cents or whatever it is, and then they will not even cash your check. Now, much less the folks that they talked about, now, it could have been like a dire straight situation where like, oh, my God, am I going to be able to eat today? Am I going to be able to pay my rent? Like, oh, my gosh, my mortgage or whatever, my car note. Like, thankfully, it wasn't that sort of dire situation or maybe, you know, I could have not had a white friend. But even still, to be able to call my white friend, white friend, can you come and assist me? Oh, sure, no problem. Do, 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 do. The white friend comes over. We go to the bank. We go to his bank now, which is like five, literally five footsteps away. So we go to his bank. And there, oh, yes, idaho, wonderful, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You brought a friend, great, wonderful, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so they go to cash, and they look at the back of it, and they're like, oh, it looks like someone, they got, they started the process, because I said they had written down my driver's license information and everything. I said, oh, why didn't the other bank cash the check? And everyone looks at me. I wasn't talking about racism, white supremacy at the time. The correct answer would have been is white supremacy racism. At the time, I like Miss Samuel, I was confused, so I didn't say anything. I just gave a shrug. 
They cash the check. We leave. The second time, I think the white man even acknowledged like, yeah, in fact, I can even take this full circle. So this happened multiple times. White man came and resolved it every time within five minutes. Weeks later, maybe even months later, I'm at my actual job in the finance department, or next to I wasn't even there for that. I'm just near the door where the finance department is, and white guy comes out who's head of the finance department. He says, oh, hey, Gus, how's it going? Right on. Okay, okay. Uh, and he just starts cracking up laughing. Like, <laughs> you want to hear something? <laughs> uh, we have all these employees who work here, and we have lots of folks you know, who get checks, even though it's in inconvenience, but whatever. Lots of you all who get checks. And he says, you know, we only have one employee where the bank calls to verify that that person works here. And he's cracking up laughing. I said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, you know, they don't do that for anybody else, just you. And he thought this was so funny. And, again, no mention of white supremacy racism, just. So I feel you a thousand percent. Gwen Samuel, have all of the information and still have to be nervous and maybe even hope that you have a white friend uh, or a helpful ATM where you can get through all of this and not have the rigmarole. Even I can give two. I can give two. More recently, I went to the bank, and that's what I've been doing. I said, hey, cut out as many human interactions as you can. Go to the AMT whenever possible. I went to the ATM machine, broken. I had to go inside. Oh, I like immediately as soon as I saw the ATM machine was broken, I was thinking like, "Ooh, I should just go to another branch. This is gonna be bad." Like, well, maybe. And I uh, went in within five minutes. Like, never mind. Just give me my check back. I'll go to another branch and take care of everything. Where the hopefully the ATM machine is working. But Gwen Samuel. Workplace racism gets you in a variety of ways. Sometimes you have to even hope that white people will actually allow you to access the funds that you have worked for. Finally, the bakery uh, situation. Stephanie DeNaro, white woman, and I think they, that should have been a cowbell right there. She used, she's got her multiracial children where she comes in and calls a black male a nigra. Uh, and refuses to put on a mask. Uh, I said that calls for a whole uh, lot of codification in terms of if you're in a work environment where you might actually have patrons that you're dealing with, uh, whether they're coming into an establishment or you're doing deliveries or whatever it is, there has to be a lot of codification around that because there's so many incidents like this uh, where it's typically white people white defiance. I'm not going to wear a mask. I'm going to sneeze on everybody in here, blow my nose and wipe it all over the counter, you know, all of that. So you really have to be codified in terms of how are we supposed to respond? Do we say anything? Do we call the police? Do we get security? Like, what is it that we're supposed to do? And then do exactly that. Uh, I would it would all be about no escalation. I think I think they even said they're probably if you're not going to wear a mask, you're supposed to leave. I am stunned when I see these type of incidents because in Washington State they have signs up that say it is federal law for you to have a mask on when you go into an establishment. Like it's no ifs, ands, or buts. And generally, for the last year, I have not seen a whole lot of you know 
balking uh, at that from white people. They've been, they even have newspaper reports talking about how compliant white people in Seattle have been about all of this. But, yeah, I have not. It's federal law. You don't have all that. Miss uh, Stephanie DeNaro sexually sewering victims and then terrorizing black people out in front in public in front of children uh yeah that that sort of behavior is uh, a federal crime out here in washington state hopefully she'll be charged with something they want to talk about all this hate crime and what have you hopefully she'll be charged with something in the midst of all that i thought it also was kind of tacky in the video where she began her spiel uh and she says, uh, oh, because he's a nigger in the crowd. Ooh, like they have not told 50,000 racist jokes and all the rest of it. Like, come on, come on. If anything, get her information and do what they got. Cancel culture. Where does she work at? Get her fired and all the rest of it. Make sure everybody knows her name. Don't come up with any crazy uh, nicknames and what have you. And again, have a code for how to neutralize these situations in the workplace if you are not white. That said, if folks have that sort of code, feel free to share. I somehow got really behind on emails, and I am trying to rectify that problem. The email is untiljustice at gmail.com, untiljustice at gmail.com. Catching up from behind. Uh, number one, a female victim of racism writes, uh, hi, Gus. One, regarding being asked if you have or will take the vaccine, I've experienced this in two ways. A, when the vaccine was first announced, my manager proclaimed in a team meeting that it was such a great achievement. This was her way of testing people by listening to our responses. I said nothing. Ching. Uh, I had the camera switched off on the laptop so she did not get a facial expression. Oh, this is a, I was not thinking this is a Zoom meeting. Thank you for, okay. Uh, B, management sending non-white people on spying missions by bringing the matter up in a conversation. On one occasion, I was not codified, but I corrected my actions by keeping conversations short and strictly work-focused and minimizing contact. Spectacular. I say that all the time, like, each of us, you know what your code is. You know, you know how you want to respond, or at least you should. You know, you should have already thought out, like, how things that you want to say, things that you don't want to say, what you talk about, all of that. You should already be thinking about that uh, ahead of time. And so you know when, eh, I would have said something a little better, I would have done something uh, a little better, White people will give you opportunities to try again. Spectacular. And uh, also, we, I think we talked about it a bunch, black or non-white people being used to spy, being manipulated by racist white supremacists. Under this system, hey, it is very easy to manip manipulate victims of racism. We're talking about that in the book on Geronimo Pratt. I think we said for years, I've said for years, Anytime in a workplace environment, white people or non-white people, you are always talking as though everyone at the company who has ever worked there, who will ever work there, they are going to get a transcript and audio recording of exactly what you said. That's the way that we should be thinking when we speak 
every time. So there's, you know, never any, oh, man, I'm nervous. What if she's a snitch? Nope. I'm talking as though every single person here is a snitch. They got their phone on, Alexa on, everything. So if I don't want to talk about this subject, I don't have anything to say. I don't even know. I'm still thinking about the vaccine. I have to give it more thought. What do you think? Ask a question so that they know. That's my answer. I don't even know. I don't have anything to say on this subject. What do you think? And then back to workplace responsibilities and duties. But, yeah. Very important, non-white people, victims of racism can be used and are used all the time in the support and practice of white supremacy. Number two, I know two people who have had the COVID vaccination. I'm not sure which brand. Both both experienced flu-like symptoms. The first person is a non-white, non-black male. It's not obvious to me why he was prioritized. The second is a racist suspect female. She canceled our meeting as she was feeling unwell. I was wondering how she managed to get the vaccine as, again, there is no obvious reason why. She must have read my mind as she commented that she shouldn't have been given the vaccine as she is not in any priority group. I made no comment. That has been rife. That is the general trend that I've seen. White people breaking rules, white people who are not even in the priority group, lying, cheating to get the vaccine. They even had some white women who dressed up like they were 80-year-old geriatrics so they could get the vaccine, like lots of that, going to black areas where it's supposed to be vaccinations intended for non-white people, and it's all these white people that drove five miles from out of state to go get the vaccine. That's tons and tons of that. Next, number three, I made a call to a business partner who works for another company. The call was answered by a switchboard operator. I could not see the person, but I suspect he was a race soldier. He was perfectly polite at first. I gave the name of the person I wanted to speak to, and he searched the database. The switchboard operator could not see me, but I believe he suspected I was non-white. He found the phone extension of the person I needed to speak to, then commented that the person was a director, and his tone changed. He began questioning me on the reason for my call. I did not tell him, but let him know the name of the company I was calling from. He then put my call through without any further interrogation. The snooping, like, my goodness, like, who even this person might be a temp like who even says that he works at the company full time or what have you like transfer my call man like who are you man like you're gonna interrogate me and what what's your miss samuel at the bank again like we got to go through all these questions i don't know you don't have authorization to be talking to this person like come on come on Number four, seems to me that Megan Markle experienced a whole lot of workplace racism. Even though she was told by HR that she was not part of the firm, clearly she was working for the British monarchy. In my view, her experience should be examined for the workplace, workplace tactics used, not just the interracial relationship aspects. Now, that is important. Even in the, the interview, she talked about going to HR for assistance and what have you, and huh, that is a pattern. I think we've had like at least one or 50 
black people who have talked about, man, I'm being mistreated on my job, and I go to HR, and they're like, man, we can't do anything about that. Yeah, sorry. Mm-hmm. Figure it out on your own, I guess. Yeah. Companies might respond. You're, you're not part of the family. Very, very common. But she she did talk about it as a workplace uh, abuse type situation, even though, you know, the tragic arrangement is there and blah, blah, blah. But I mean, and she did talk about human resources like, yeah, not getting assistance, which is, you know, much obliged for the letter. Let's see. I'm behind. Read one more. Let's see. Oh, we missed a person had a report. It was audio I wanted to get in uh, that we missed out on. have to try and get that. Uh, All right. Uh, One more email, and then we'll get to the callers. Uh, Another victim of racism, black female. I'm listening to Neutralizing Workplace Racism today. This is the one from last week. The spouse of one of the callers talked about her dance request for the Middle Eastern, I think, client who wanted to haggle over her price. That was uh, Miss C. Uh, I could have the ethnicity wrong, but anyway, I have come to the conclusion that non-white middle non-white Middle Eastern people are white supremacists as much as white people. Our neighbors are Middle Eastern Indian, and they had a black tree cutter giving an estimate last weekend. My husband and I went for a jog with our dogs, bravo for the exercise, so the black tree cutter spoke to us and commented on how beautiful our dogs were. When we got back home, my husband asked if the tree cutter could take a look in our back, for we had a tree that needed cutting. The tree cutter told my husband, man, I can't stand dealing with them. They want me to cut two trees down for $25. They always want to haggle over price. I am a business owner as well and had an appointment with a Middle Eastern clothing shop, and the lady wanted my services for free to try me out, and I told her that my company does not work for free. Spectacular. That matter of fact, Miss C, I think, said that last week. She said... um. It was. I think it was. I think it might have been a different group. Maybe not the same uh, so-called non-white people who were haggling. But I think it was a different group where they were saying, "Oh, you know, we want you to be a part of this program. You can come show off your talents and blah 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 and all this other stuff." She's like, "Well, what's the the compensation?" He's like, "Oh no, you know, it's just it's an opportunity for you to show off and blah blah blah." She's like, wait, wait, wait a minute. We we we're business here. Like, what in the world? Are we supposed to be just going out and doing charity performances? Like, come on. Uh, so the caller's comments resonated with me. I could be wrong, however. It seems Asians and Middle Eastern people, even though non-white, are horrible to black people. Lots of that sentiment. Uh, just following logic, you have to be classified as white to practice white supremacy racism. We, in fact, Miss C's husband, unless my memory is bad, I have been accused of having a faulty memory, Miss C's husband said that it was a black business owner where he ended up almost having to come to a lawsuit where his oven got messed up and some racists came and did that and some other things. But I think it was some black, a black business owner specifically, uh, where he had problems that got really bad and was looking to having to pursue legal matters. So mistreating black people is 
the the that is always in vogue and everybody in the known universe is encouraged to mistreat black people. Uh, we just follow the logic that because a person dislikes black people, mistreats black people, doesn't value their work, and that makes them white supremacist. Well, jinkies. It's uh, a whole lot of individuals who, is, who are classified as black would now become white supremacists. So the anti-blackness is a massive problem, but that does not qualify one as a white person, white supremacist. Just trying to follow logic. I could be an error. VGQ. Uh, the email again is untiljustice at gmail.com. Untiljustice at gmail.com. The number is 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Uh, let's see. Folks who dialed in with a hand up moment to gather my switchboard here, and we'll hear from callers. If we have any folks, if you work in an environment where, like, you have to come in contact with patrons, let us know, like, what is your code uh, around if they don't want to wear a mask uh, and are not following whatever the protocols are at your establishment about the Rona situation, what is the code? So this would be for anybody, really, delivery drivers or anyone else. Uh, do you have either your own personal code or does your company, do they have a code that's strong enough that, hey, this is going to work, this is the protocol that we follow to keep us safe? If we have folks uh, like this uh, white woman, Stephanie DeNaro, uh, where I'm not going to wear a mask and no nigger is going to make me do otherwise. What are you supposed to do to keep yourself safe? Because that's one I think everybody, unfortunately, is still going to need to be pretty rock solid there for a while, it seems. Uh, let's see. Folks who dialed in with a hand up, uh, if you have commentary to share, uh, proceed. Can I be heard? Uh-oh. First one up, so we'll see. Is my memory bad? Was it a black business owner where you had a problem about repairs that got really, really uh, non-constructive? I know you were correct. Your memory is amazing. And, um, yes, it was a black business owner that we needed to get a, um, an upgrade in our electrical box, and um, it caused the stove to malfunction. And his, um, his, um, his workers, his subordinates, were uh, white males, and one of them came into my house uh, with a Confederate shirt on. And my wife was away at the time, and I, was on the, and I just barely noticed it, and I was on the phone with my friend, the one I always go to advice, and, you know, he's on the phone with me. I tell him what I see, and he, you know, he's, like, in disbelief. Well, semi-disbelief. Um, so, yeah, you remember quite a couple things. And to the, um, the person whose email you were reading a moment ago as well, too, um, yeah, you got a lot of details correct. Um, it wasn't a Middle Eastern person. It was an Indian person, so from the country of India. But, you know, like Gus said, a non-white person, a person who I would say is a, um, I would say a, Darker skinned, so to speak. Uh, definitely quite far away from the uh, the white skinned hue. Uh, but yeah, definitely a problem with uh, uh, multiple groups of people, at least in the context of my wife and our, our dance business, uh, trying to get us to barter on our price. And um, um, I have my wife, what we decided to do in that situation was we decided uh, the price is the price, and um, they don't want to do business with us. They're free not to do business with us. And ironically enough, they ended up choosing to do business with us. 
So I'm going to say no harm, no foul, but, you know, a lot of disrespect out here when black people are trying to do business. Um, but I got a couple of stories. My wife might come in later right now. She, was, she is speaking to her mother, so uh, maybe she'll come in later. But for me, um, I have, well, I'll comment on the story about the white female with the black children. Them kids are going to need therapy for a very long time. <laughs> I feel sorry for those kids. Um, they'll probably think to themselves, you know, because at the end of the day, even though their mother might be a white supremacist, um, first they see mom before they see white supremacists. So there's going to be a lot of cognitive dissonance as they grow up trying to figure out, well, yeah, she did. their mother did this horrible thing, but she's still their mother, and ugh, the confusion there. Um, so let's see. Um, I have an interesting story to tell. Um, in the neighborhood where I live in South Carolina, um, it's a neighborhood where there's a lot of elderly black people, right? And, of course, like any place – that's closer to a city center, a lot of um, displacement of black people as white people move into the neighborhoods and escalation of rents, mortgages, property values, et cetera. Uh, no different here. And uh, one of the things, at least in the neighborhood that I live in, is that uh, if anyone's ever known, uh, heard of a neighborhood association, there is a neighborhood association where I live. It's been around since before I even moved into the neighborhood. Years, so long that people have come and gone, moved away, even passed away. And um, back in 2012, the students at Clemson University did a project, uh, did a graduate project in the neighborhood where they did a neighborhood plan. And one of the recommendations that came out of the neighborhood plan back in 2012 was that the neighborhood association, though it did um, exist, it wasn't, it wasn't a legal entity. And they recommended that the neighborhood association um, incorporate into a legal entity. So fast forward to roughly about a year and a half ago, back in uh, 2019, a suburb of 2019, um, you know, after I had moved into the neighborhood for about a year and a half now, um, because, you know, um, I had the skills to do so, I decided I would use my skills to help the neighborhood association to go ahead and incorporate into a neighborhood association. Um, I wrote up the paperwork, and, um, and then right before we could finish it off, COVID hit, so it was kind of put on hiatus. Um, you know, we weren't meeting, and then we finally started doing Zoom meetings about um, sometime around October, November, um, and, of course, moving this process along. We're finally just about to the end of it. So yesterday was the monthly meeting, and, of course, the idea was to simply call a, a, a vote to adopt the, um, the, um, the documents that would allow the Neighborhood Association to legally incorporate and then allow me to proceed to go register the Neighborhood Association with the state. So um, part of that process was me not just also writing up the paperwork, but actually informing the people in the neighborhood that this was actually a process that was occurring, that we just weren't just doing this whole process in a vacuum. Um, so that involved us me making flyers and actually um, hand-delivering flyers to almost 2,000, well, roughly 1,500 um, doors or addresses within the neighborhood. Um, I didn't do it by myself. I had my wife's help and a couple of um, neighborhood association members help. And even some people outside the neighborhood, they helped out. Um, made a process that could have took quite a while by myself and, of course, with my wife, um, a whole lot quicker um, because we had a little bit of help outside of the one white female uh, city councilwoman who helped but was putting mail, uh, flyers in people's mailboxes, which is illegal. But, you know, that's another story. So anyway, we called the vote yesterday, and this woman who has contacted me about the neighborhood flyer, this is a white woman, 
Um, she says she has concerns about the Neighborhood um, Association incorporating how this process works. That's, it's not incorrect for her to have concerns. So, you know, she talked about the idea of, you know, she called me multiple times and I wasn't responding. So first and foremost, I'm not paid to do this. I'm a volunteer. I live in a neighborhood, and I'm just trying to do my best to be a good neighbor to my neighbors. That's it. Um, and help where I can because I have the skill to do so and a little bit of time on my hands. Um, so she brought all this up in the neighborhood meeting yesterday that she was concerned and she was um, and that she was there to make sure um, that this process was being done correctly. Now, me personally, I was taken aback by this um, um, because you know who the hell who the hell is this woman? White woman, of course. So the question for me, um, I ask her, okay, fine. If I've done something incorrect, please say what it is. What incorrect? What is happening incorrectly here? Can you please say what it is? And she kept falling back on the bullcrap answer. I'm just here to make sure everything is going, um, it's being done correctly, and that I work in the real estate industry, and I know a couple of real estate people or realtors who would have a problem with this if it's not done correctly. And we keep asking her the question, um, well, what is being done that is incorrect here? Now, I was already in a pissy mood um, from just her overall behavior, but I, um, I wasn't the only one to notice. The Neighborhood Association president and a couple other of the uh, members of the Neighborhood Association, black people, already noticed her behavior and the way she was talking. Not just to me, but just, just in general about the whole process. So, uh, you know, I let it go. I went, went on about my evening yesterday, woke up this morning, called my friend, let him know, talk to the president. And um, my friend advised me to go ahead and email her and ask her, you know, what was her interpretation of what happened? I'm, I'm sorry, give her my interpretation of what she was doing. You know, maybe it was that, you know, I misunderstood something. So, you know, I emailed her, and this is what I said to her. Um, Hello, miss. I hope you're doing well. I'm emailing to give you my interpretation of your concerns about yesterday's meeting. I got the impression that the documents we were voting to adopt would infringe on your property rights as a homeowner in the neighborhood in some way. Am I correct in my interpretation? Um, she responds, hello. There is much concern. I have been a homeowner in this neighborhood since April 31st, 2019, and was unaware of any sort of neighborhood association until a few weeks ago. Keep in mind, um, this neighborhood association has been around for multiple years, even decades. It's just that these people never legally um, incorporated. I continue. Uh, she continues. Upon receiving a grossly misspelled and uninformed flyer on my mailbox, I decided to dig in a little deeper. I made one error on the flyer. It was an email. Um, one letter was missing from the email to um, contact me about the whole process, but the correct email was on the overall flyer in two different other places. Um, there are names and fake addresses of elected officials of the Neighborhood Association. None of these addresses exist. I'm not sure if any of these people who supposedly represent our community actually exist. Not everyone can live at the address, right? Additionally, the flyer had a typo on it, the address I used for this whole matter. Did you intentionally leave it out, leave out um, a letter L, or did you have hundreds of flyers printed without proofreading? Either way, it shouldn't happen. Oh, and no mention of the date and time on the flyer of the NOA meeting. As a resident of this community, I am very happy and am trying to protect the residents. Um, now you're starting to see the white victim, um, you know, uh, what is it called, white woman tear kind of bullcrap, but at the same time claiming that she's doing this for the black people and the poor, the poor lowly niggas in the neighborhood. I've seen the sign for the proposed neighborhood up the street. I see the homes being demolished and new, and new builds. Don't get me wrong. I'm in real estate, and capitalism is key to its success. However, 
The amazing people of this community will only struggle if there is more development and education. Nobody in this neighborhood deserves that. They are good people and they deserve to be treated as such. Just a little piece of personal advice. You should probably save your eye rolling and invisible frustration for when your cameras are off. I'll see you next month. For the record, I did roll my eyes. I was pissy as hell. So I responded to this woman. Um, thank you. Though you were unaware of the Neighborhood Association when you moved into the neighborhood, it has been around for many years. Nevertheless, I understand how moving into a neighborhood and not being aware of its institutions can occur. That's why we decided to go through the effort, that, the effort of informing the neighborhood with the flyers. As the name and um, as the names, as for the names and address, you are correct that the addresses don't exist, nor do people um, do the people name names in the um, in the forms. That's because this is a draft document. Um, this is a this is a draft document that was started with the template. The plan was to update the information with the correct names when the neighborhood association documents were adopted. I apologize for the incorrect spelling of the email address. Have I addressed the issues you have brought up about the neighborhood association in this document? And then she responded, "Thank you." This is the last response. Uh, thanks for your response. However, backhanded it is. Moving into the neighborhood with an NOA, and I believe NOA means neighborhood, um, like HOA, uh, Homeowners Association, Neighborhood Owners Association, no such thing, should never be overlooked. I am so completely perplexed as to the amount of um, negligence that has been displayed. You had just short of a full year in order to inform me that I was part of an NOA pre-COVID. Now it's almost two years. Who are you and where do you actually live? I'm willing to bet that you don't live anywhere near this neighborhood. If you don't actually live in this neighborhood, let's plan to meet at one of my real estate attorney's offices. I've already printed out the falsified documents created by you. Go ahead. Roll your eyes one more time. Let's work this out, sir. Um, at this point, I'll let the other people in the neighborhood association know what she said, and I just have no intention of responding back to this, um, this white female anymore. And, of course, I have no intention of meeting her anywhere. Uh, that just does sound like a bad idea, like she accused me of something. So I'm um, good on that. I'm done with her. And that's the end of my story. Yikes. Dangerous white woman. Um, fake documents like the accusations. My goodness. Um, that's, I think, a great move in uh, alerting the other folks uh, to her conduct and uh, the danger. Uh, in, in my view, she seems like a really dangerous white woman because I'm, I'm certain uh, she, it might spread to other people, uh, other members of the group that she might be attacking or making these accusations or whatever it is. So, yeah, I would be really careful uh, around, especially in South Carolina. Like, yikes. Um the I think with questions, I think that's always the best approach. What's incorrect here? Like, you know, she she shows up, she's huffy, like, oh, my goodness, what's you know, what's incorrect? Let us know what the problem is. And we don't get I mean, that's always like, let's get right to the point as opposed to, you know, charges or suspicion or anything else like has something been done wrong? And if the answer is no, you know, what are we doing? What's what's what is the issue if there has been, you know, no problem? Um, the, and then she's got like her list in her really aggressive uh, correspondence. She's got her, like her list of grievances. Like we've got this grossly misspelled letter and you've made up these names and false email addresses and then I don't even know where we, how we got off all into the gentrification and 
black, I've got to defend the lowly black people here, and you don't even live here, you live someplace else. I mean, what in the world? Like, <laughs> danger? We will definitely be weary uh, of you in the future. I guess Emmy, I think, often brings up nonverbals. Not saying there's an air, this is, you know, your volunteer work or what have you, just saying. Emmy does talk about nonverbals, uh, and I think it's significant that this treacherous white woman picked up on that uh, and is talking about, oh, you over there rolling your eyes, and who do you think you are? And all like, wow, like, okay, so you are locked in uh, on me and paying attention to my gestures and everything else. Like, okay, white people are not ignorant about racism, white supremacy. They study their niggers well. Wow, but staying in the question lane, I think is, what are your concerns? What's incorrect here? Just question and then distancing you're dangerous I'm not meeting you and your attorneys and I'm letting the other folks uh, in the organization know super dangerous white woman be leery Um, incidentally as soon as you mentioned neighborhood associations and especially uh, in South Carolina I was thinking of sundown towns Uh, I think many of these neighborhood associations have a long history of white supremacy racism. Now, I know, you know, you do have some where black people are involved and all that, but I mean, oof, you talk about projects that have been frequently weaponized to keep out the niggers and planned neighborhoods and let's get our sign up. No niggers after Sunday. Like, I think that was talked about repeatedly uh, in sundown towns, the racist white neighborhood associations in places like South Carolina. Uh, much obliged uh, non-Clemson grad uh, and yes Miss Denaro's children will need all kinds of therapy terrorist mother indeed uh, number again 720-716-7300 the code 564 Pound, press star six one if you would like to participate. Other folks who dialed in, commentary to share, proceed. Can I be heard? Greetings, Emmy. Namaste. Greetings. Not much, Adam. I do apologize about the loud car in the back, but I just wanted to say it before we pivot away from uh, non-Clemson grads sharing. Yeah, I got the same, that's not the same way this guy did. Very, 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 very dangerous white woman. Very dangerous white woman. And I can't even so dangerous. Sorry, I do apologize about that. Um... I don't know, like, how small, yeah, you say South Carolina, and I just think every part of South Carolina is kind of small. So I would definitely make sure that wherever y'all met up, if she shows up again, that she doesn't follow anyone. I got the creepy vibe that that's something that she would do, like, doesn't follow you or follow anyone else who attended your meeting. Um, And definitely keep an eye out for her, because all of my spidey senses went up. Um, Super, super dangerous white woman and super ready to get aggressive and violent and hostile and to potentially be um, mentally unwell and unhinged. But 
I'll chime back in later. I just wanted to say that to you. Thanks. Excellent, excellent point, Emmy. The following, the stalking, uh, other members. Like, I think it's great to let the other folks uh, in the organization know as well. Um, yeah, she's just, man. I mean, if she's coming in with that sort of attitude, like, who knows? Um, this is one, too, like, armed white people. South Carolina has a history of armed, violent, insurrectionist white people. So, yeah, be, uh, that's like you have been warned, like, man, tread seriously with this white woman. Surprised she doesn't have her husband or other henchmen uh, coming to hang out at the next. And she already warned, right, that she'll I'll be there next month letting you know I'm going to be at the next meeting. So, yeah, uh, maybe we'll get an update, constructive uh, update. Uh, let's see. Uh, I'll get in another email and then see if other folks have commentary to share. Uh, let's see. Oh, okay, here we go. Uh, next email, non-white female, victim of racism. She writes in. So my manager, who is horrible, made a new friend who is a manager on another team. So this new lady had to supervise our team when my manager was off. This new lady made a mistake and didn't follow protocol for one of the people I had to interview. Well, what does my manager do? On her day off, she comes in. She comes in and decided to protect her new friend. When I questioned the protocol, you can guess I did not get an answer. So today, my manager tries to play games and undercut me. She gives me cases with non-verifiable information. So I documented what exact documentation. So I documented what exactly happened in the notes. And my manager comes running in and trying to gaslight me as if I did not do my work. None. And I mean none of what my manager is doing is unnecessary because during the division meeting, I asked about this specifically with the head of the department and the person from the state that makes the rules. And they agreed I did the thing right. I did the right thing. Sorry, Spike Lee. I made sure to ask loud so my manager could hear it love it now that she's trying to protect her friend she's trying to build something against me the worst part all of the worst part of all of this is virtual and the state county guidelines are clear-cut so my manager often creates additional issues and more work because she's in some kind of competition she wants you to rush and be available to answer any questions she has. She practically demands an answer, but when you ask her a question or question a policy, you don't get an answer. So common the white person with no response, no answer. You don't even get an, I don't know. 
Instead, my manager will switch up the next day and act like it never happened. That's why documentation is so important. And particularly, I would say, electronic email documentation when you're asking for policy and procedure. So then it's I, you know, per our email on, you know, March 17, when asking for clarification about, you know, policy, whatever, B12. Uh, and I never got a response. Check my spam, all of that. I wrote back on March 22nd. I didn't get a response. So then it's you've got a chain. And if you've emailed this person before, this is not an IT issue where it's getting rerouted or you got the incorrect email. You're just not responding. That's documentation, too. So we use that. So big advocate of the email for questions like that. That way you have a documentation. Uh, let's see. I had to work with another team member because she he had access to things that assist in my interviewing. An issue came up as my manager gave me cases that don't have verifiable information. So my team member, due to legalities, is not allowed to do anything. So I asked my manager what I am supposed to do. And you guessed it. No answer. But yet she demands to be updated every five minutes as to what I'm doing. The next division meeting, I will be naming names specifically and asking questions. That's when we're documentation. You can just, hey, I've sent emails out. I've not gotten responses per policy and procedure. If someone could clear this up, that would be spectacular. Love it. And have the policy and procedure page right there. You can hold that up in front of the camera. I'm sure everyone has read their policy. That's like one of the few times, maybe one of the only, I'm sure there maybe there, there are probably some others. I can't think of any right now, but that's one of the few times in a workplace environment with white people and maybe even with other non-white people, I would speak with the assumption we have all read our policy and procedure so we know what's expected of us here like that is probably one of the few times I'd be talking as though I'm not talking like you don't know this you know you got a policy and procedure manual just like I did I read mine I assume everybody I'm working with read theirs quality employees around here so you know what's expected of us and in this one bit right here it doesn't seem clear to me if someone else knows this without ambiguity if you could share that would be grand love it policy and procedure is awesome give us the update next week let us know uh let us know how it goes uh email again is until justice at gmail.com the number 720-716-7300 the code 564-943 Press star six one if you would like to participate. Again, not our broadcast for spectators, particularly if folks have figured out any sort of codification that works to minimize any sort of abuse. People, white people that come in, they don't want to wear a mask. If you have to have any contact with patrons of that sort, uh, delivery code uh, for folks who are doing driving. Uh, if you have a code to make sure that you are safe, well, that is always grand to share and or certainly of anybody if you have figured out some things that 
Hey, this will make sure this is what to say to make sure you get that raise. This is what to say to make sure if you need extra vacation time. This is what to say if you need sick time, whatever it is. Navigating around the vaccine, yay or nay, if you want to take it, don't want to take it. Figured out some things that non-white people could use to keep themselves safe. Star six one. Uh, let's see. Reckon folks are getting their thoughts together. No spectating. We'll check back. Uh, I will say I did get the opportunity to uh, teach a little yoga this morning. I'm always happy uh, being able to teach. Hopefully once the Rona situation is, I don't even know what the correct wording to say is resolved at some level. Uh, Be awesome to be out and get to teach more. Uh, But just being able to uh, teach a little bit and get some satisfaction. I think it's rare to have a job where you can be uh, somewhat pleased uh, to be able to teach to black people. We talked about drinking water and I got to mention the book. Uh, you are what your grandparents ate, like being able to have a little bit of satisfaction. I think the system of white supremacy does uh, a startlingly efficient job uh, at really taking the joy uh, out of pretty much everything. So you just end up not being, that's why you end up having books like $40 million slave and all the rest of it. Something that you wouldn't even think of as work, uh, music or anything else ends up just being slavery as Prince said. So, uh, I will say to be able to have a job that you can have some enjoyment, feel like you're doing something constructive, teaching all black people thus far spectacular uh absolutely love it uh still have neglected updating my yoga resume which is uh shameful i talk about that all the time like keep your resume up to date because you never know when other employment opportunities come up or you want to try to apply for something like always always keep that resume up to date and adding as you add new skills complete new projects whatever it is get that big promotion updating it polishing it so it looks sparkling looks like hey this is a fellow this is uh, a female that we would like to hire like immediately updating and I've been saying that it's been such a tacky and trifling year it's been difficult to even steal five minutes to do uh, a resume updating which does happen uh, frequently but make time update my resume hopefully be able to do some uh, more teaching uh, as the year advances uh, let's see. Other folks who dialed in with a hand up. Uh, if you have commentary to share, proceed. Um, greetings, Gus, and greetings, um, callers. Uh, I just wanted to comment on um, the importance of um, le- knowing um, company policy and procedures because um, I didn't know that until um, pretty recently. I um, currently am training to be a um, IT technician, and um, one of like the things that keeps coming up is the importance of knowing company um, policy and procedures. And I'm, I'm learning this from a um, racist suspect as well. And um, I don't have much to comment on um, workplace racism because I, I haven't been in a workplace environment for quite a long time, um, but I'm trying to contribute uh, what I can. That, that's all. Much obliged, Paul. I say that all the time. Policy and procedure is so important so many folks and really 
it's not just like, oh, I need to know all these rules and, you know, make sure I'm crossing all my T's and dotting all my I's, which there is value to that for sure. But it's because so frequently racists don't even adhere to their own policy and procedure in the workplace. It's I mean, there's lots of value to it. There's a value to you knowing, you know, these are the rules so I can follow them flawlessly minimize some of my problems right there but also you will see on a regular basis like wow it looks like a lot of the rules are not being followed and it might even be sometimes that white people or non-white people are asking you to violate policy and procedure you will not be aware if you don't know the policy so I wouldn't care if they uh, update I've been in work environments where they do update policy and procedure often like monthly sometimes more regularly than that I've been in some places where they don't do that it's printed out it's a book or what have you and that's what it is they change it maybe once in every you know three or four years or something like that but I wouldn't care how big it is read it Uh, if it takes two weeks three weeks a month you don't have to read the whole thing in one swoop you can break it up read you know 10 pages a night 15 pages a night but I mean highlight what does it say every single line of it and like you will have a blast like being able to go into work and seeing wow we're supposed to have a policy about being tardy and Gene comes in late every day like and that puts you in great position in the future if people want to ask you questions or even make accusations which is done all the time that you have violated this and you didn't do that hey the policy says this this is what I attempt to follow on a regular basis you can find out that that's been changed and man on such and such date and such and such date this person wasn't doing it this person wasn't doing it do we enforce this policy uniformly question you have to have documentation for that too we talked about that but I mean all of that the crux you have to know policy and procedure and then just being aware of things that are happening in the workplace and following it read it follow it and then just be aware of what's happening in the workplace that can put you in a really great position uh, to defend yourself and then to ask phenomenal questions uh, based on you know how how closely are we adhering to policy and procedure Mr. Fuller talks about that equal enforcement constitutional guarantees equal protection under the law equal enforcement of the law Uh, let's see other folks uh, commentary to share or they still spectating, getting their thoughts together. Oh, I see some of the folks are getting their thoughts together. Oh, Amy. Yes, ma'am. I did have uh, something quick to share, two quick things. One, I shared uh, a little while ago where the supervisor deleted the hours from my time card um, despite having talked to me that night when I clocked in and everything. I was working at another group home, but I I clocked in at the house that I usually work at so that I could fix something on the computer. Uh, And she deleted my hours, and then I uh, confronted her and told her, you know, that's not going to work. So uh, since then, I decided that, and it 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 was a loose code. It wasn't a strict code, but now it is a definite strict code that all correspondence with this woman is, number one, written, but also I have um, her supervisor 
either because there's a lot of texting that happens, which I'm okay with because it's still in writing. Um, and But then there's also emailing. So if it's a text message, it's with the two of them. And then if it's an email, it's with the two of them. I don't blind copy him. I allow him, you know, I'm completely transparent. He's here. So you make sure whatever you do, you handle it. And I had to take a couple of days so that I could do something, and I wanted to make sure, and I had picked up in the same house before, so I wrote an email, I asked questions, how do I ensure that it's documented on the schedule that I'm there, what I'm there, and that session that is covering for me uh, when he's covering for me, and then how do I put in for what day, the hours, everything was in writing. And it was so beautiful because I actually did something incorrect, like not like a morally or something incorrect. I just didn't put the time in right on the timesheet to request the time off. So she was so thorough with it. And I think in part because, number one, I defended myself by setting up a boundary, which will be the second thing I talk about. And number two, because I have her supervisor linked in on all of our communication, she explained to me, she answered all my questions that the schedule was accurate. It reflected what it should reflect. The hours are what they are. And then she said, hey, you put it in, you know, this way when it really just had to be like this. She even included a screenshot to show me the changes that she made, something she did not do when she deleted my hours, and then even thanked me for my willingness to find coverage for my days that I was going to be out. And all I said is, okay, thank you. I didn't put an exclamation point. I didn't put a smiley face. I didn't say thank you very much. I just said, okay, thank you. Uh, so I'm very happy by that outcome because that is how I want my correspondence to be with this woman from now until when I leave. I want my correspondence with all white people to be that clear, that concise, that direct, and that correct, uh, especially when we're dealing with my money. So I feel like that's a win. Um, and then another thing I think that is kind of um, kind of have to be a little careful because you can feel like you come off a little too blunt in the writing. Um, but I've been practicing just short, curt, direct, blunt, kind of regard, sign my name, it's done in an email. Okay, thanks, no smiley face, no exclamation point, none of that, no emotion con, no gif, no me, no nothing. Like, just complete, because she's doing all these exclamation points. I'm not doing nothing. Okay, thanks, boom, we're done. That is allowing me to maintain a lot of distance with this woman, which brings me to my second point. I told you all, I forget if it was a, if it was a workplace racism or it was a compensatory call. I don't remember, but I've been doing a lot of active writing or intentional writing around boundary setting. So defining boundaries, understanding boundaries, asking myself, what are my boundaries in every area of my life? Um, and I mentioned it before, but I didn't actually have my writing handy. So I just wanted to list off like four quick questions that you can ask yourself and you can ask it for every area of your life. But this one, of course, because it's workplace racism, this uh, writing activity was really helpful for me. Um, and since I can't remember what website I pulled it off of, I'll just read the questions really quick. So if you're someone who is struggling defining your boundaries in your workplace, maybe with your time, maybe with your space, maybe with your energy, however it is that you're feeling um, off, like, and, and that's one way that I learned that I know that my boundaries are being crossed, even if I haven't defined those boundaries, is because I'm not feeling good. 
I'm feeling tired. I'm feeling uncomfortable. I'm feeling tense. I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling nervous. Um, it's, you can feel it. If you're around me, you can see it in my body. Like sometimes I might clench my hands and not even realize that like I've actually balled my fist or I'm clenching my jaw or something like that or like my eyeball is switching just to be transparent. So paying attention to your body, like other people's body, their nonverbal cues is extremely important. But even paying attention to ourselves will tell us a lot about when we are not comfortable, even if we're trying to tell ourselves, like, yeah, I got this. So the first question is, when do I feel uncomfortable, drained, or off-centered? And then you would put work, and then you would answer that question honestly for yourself. And then the second follow-up question is, what keeps me from feeling energized, at peace, or centered in this area? And then you write some. And then it is, what is a realistic and active way to prevent or limit discomfort, being drained, or being off-center and then the in this area? And then the final question is, so what is the boundary in this area? And then you can kind of, it'll help you kind of comb through. Um, because one thing I didn't realize is a boundary for me uh, is even though I work the overnight, on my days off, I don't want to be touched. <laughs> you know, I might pick up overtime, but that's like a boundary like, hey, don't text me after this amount of time or don't contact me after this amount of time. Another boundary that I didn't realize it was a boundary, but it clearly was, don't delete my hours off my timesheet without first consulting me to see if I worked it or not. Another boundary is don't try to talk to me physically one-on-one. -on -one. It all needs to be in, in, in written. You know, like those are some of the boundaries. Don't I have a lot of physical boundaries. Don't touch me. I've had to make that really clear. So if you find yourself, if your work environment is just draining you, maybe it's time to assess your boundaries and really get clear about those and then begin to write it out so you have it in front of you and then actively enforce those boundaries. So in my journal activity, I even have some of my codes that I have. Um, the, the biggest one that I use is walking away. Uh, because that way I don't, you know, say something and then I have to retract it. But anyway, I hope that was kind of helpful. It's been really, really, really helpful for me to um, think about boundaries, to find my boundaries and do this kind of like boundary work. So anywho, I hope it was helpful for you all. And uh, thank you for letting me share. Much obliged, Emmy. Love it, love it, love it. Boundaries in the workplace so critical uh, whether it's boundaries about you know how you want to organize communication if it's supposed to be uh, nonverbal we're just doing written communication if it's supposed to be uh, about touching if it's supposed to be about that texting because a lot of folks will do that they will take advantage and call you and harass you uh, when you are not working, you're not on the schedule, what are you doing, can you work this time, blah 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 like hey, unless that's like unless I have one of those jobs where that's just a part of the job, you know, you know you you're never off duty, always on if that's not a part of it, like hey let's nip that in the bud, like just being clear about things that are going to be healthy uh, for you uh, particularly so that you can continue to, to do that job well and not be as she's trained, tired, anxious. We talked about that last year, burned out, setting boundaries so that we will not be burned out. Very, very important. Uh, and I think a lot of that just comes down to, you know, 
what is uh, how is it that, you know, we want to be treated correctly, uh, constructively in a workplace environment? Uh, that's, you know, what we're talking about a lot of times in terms of people saying incorrect things to us, the touching that she was talking about and her harassing you on days off all of that and the the other myriad of things like trying to get if we can't successfully getting all of that minimized if not outright eliminated uh just being proactive and setting boundaries i love it love it love it uh let's see number seven two zero seven one six seven three hundred the code five six four nine four three pound press star six one if you would like to participate uh, let's see other folks who dialed in with a hand up proceed okay folks moment to get their thoughts together we should be here on Saturday neutralize or compensatory call-in tomorrow we should be here normal time 9 p.m. Eastern 6 p.m. Pacific we should be here Wednesday I believe of next week uh, Dr. Gerald Horn uh, so excited to have him back on the program he was with us uh, last summer I feel like it was right right before we had the white guest only policy I think he uh, was a guest on the pro that's like my my parameters like man he was one of our last non-white guests before that anywho he was here then but he told us he had a book that was about to come I think he said he had been working on it uh, the bitter sweet science uh, about racism in boxing and uh, I think when he was on he said he had just kind of finished writing uh, a portion of it and I was all excited like oh he was telling us you know who's going to be in the book and all the rest of it and Marvin Hagler just died passed away Marvin Hagler is in the book uh, I had been saying Muhammad Ali is on my mind. Obviously, Muhammad Ali is in the book. Like, I'm super excited. Uh, I think it just came out a few weeks ago. And uh, racism in the title. So how can we go wrong? Super excited. Uh, second time to have him on the program. Check out the book, The Bitter Sweet Science. Uh, if you want to do a little reading in advance. Uh, talks about the white gangster involvement in the many decades of boxing many of these big fights happen in las vegas so you already know if you saw mr fuller you heard him talk about godfather too you already know what's in las vegas so you know corleone style but gerald horn dr gerald horn next week via the cows uh let's see folks getting their thoughts together some of our other folks have comments here to share They might be getting to location where they can chat it up. I'll double check to make sure I did not miss uh, any of our emails uh, as well. Let's see. Once again, if we have that many folks who have figured out things in the workplace, I hope you all uh, share a little bit. Uh, don't be. Sp oh, no. <laughs> didn't even get through all the emails. Uh, let's see. Oh, did I get it? Did I get it? Okay, I got this one. Whew. Got it at the beginning of the program. Thought I had missed another email. Oh, wait a minute. Did I get Did I do Oh, she added one. Got it. Uh, different, uh, email, female victim of racism. 
Uh, it's definitely frustrating trying to discuss workplace workplace racism with family members and sexual relationships with race soldiers. Cowbell, even when there is a level of recognition that racism is taking place, it is somehow minimized. Very common. Strangely, I've also noticed that my family member can interpret race soldier code when it is not clear to me what is being said because racists are skilled with words boy i am not making the case for such relationships but it seems there is something about the proximity to white people that in some way helps decipher racist code my family member is still very confused and has been on the receiving end of racist abuse in those relationships absolutely i think uh i've had this conversation with other victims of racism and they said that they've noticed something similar uh about other groups of non-white people non-white non-black people who might have easier access to being around individuals classified as white on a daily basis and they said they had noted a similar observation where they seemed to be able to pick up different components of racism, especially around words, things that were said, that type of thing that other folks just didn't have that sort of nuance. And they felt it was because they've been around white people a lot. They've heard racist jokes and seen, you know, different types of racism, probably seen some of the more refined aspects of racism where maybe they behaved a certain way in the front street, right? When it was public. And then they were with them backstage to get the explanation and the racist jokes and blah, blah, blah. So now they have a, a much deeper understanding of the workings type of thing. When Dr. Welsing says, what do white people talk about when there are no non-white people around? they might have a much better understanding of those type of conversations. So I suspect that might be uh, what it is. Um, apparently being in that sort of proximity doesn't give enough information to be like, whoa, maybe I shouldn't be in this arrangement at all. Apparently that doesn't happen. So yeah, uh, much obliged. Glad we got the extra tidbit in until justice at gmail.com. Uh, folks have other emails about things happening on the job. Uh, let's see. Uh, folks who dialed in, uh, thoughts to share, or are they still taking some time to get their thoughts together? Can I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Oh, hi. I wanted to comment on what Emmy said. I think it's really, really important to um, have boundaries at work because, I mean, I'm currently not working, but at my old job, it was very common to, especially to get younger um, people. I was in, like, the engineering field, and it was very common to get younger engineers to do free labor for the company under the guise of it being, like, a developmental program, but then as I was doing the work, I was realizing that I'm doing work, free work for these people, and they're getting something out of it, but not paying me for this extra time, and that includes, like, going to lunch meetings where you feel like you're being pressured to have to go to them, which is, like, you're actually just end, end up working for free, like, especially a lot of times those lunch meetings didn't even have food, so... 
it, it just um, is important to kind of set those boundaries because especially as black people, I think they just see us as free sources of labor and will just um, use us. So whatever way you can find to not have to give your job free labor, especially during your lunches, is really important. For me, I would always say, oh, I have to pick up my daughter um, during this time, so I'll be back in an hour or something like that. Maybe you don't want to lie, but just find something to say, and that'll be all for now. Thank you. How do they call it a lunch meeting if there's no food? That's just a meeting. <laughs> they should just say that. Like, uh, call it truth in advertising. They didn't bring us any peanut M&Ms, like peanut butter crackers, like cheese, nothing. <laughs> like, uh, lunch meeting. Boundaries. Boundaries. There's such a long history of black people being exploited in so many ways wage theft and getting us to work for free and do extra people's work and pay us for one job we're doing the work of three people in so many ways setting up boundaries boundaries about my lunchtime and just all of that when I'm going to be when I'm going to be called text whatever it is boundaries Uh, it's crucial and I think a lot of that a lot of times we're not I mean slaves don't have boundaries you know you're not allowed to say no to white people. That's, I think, a part of counter-racism, being able to say no to individuals classified as white. Uh, that's big part. <laughs> anyway, being able to say no and setting boundaries uh, about your body, space, time, and energy, value as an employee, all of the above. Uh, so, bravo. I suspect a lot more of us, because uh, just not thinking about that, not even thinking about correct treatment and not thinking like, man, I'm going into a work environment where there will probably be like lots of gross violations of my boundaries. That's what you don't want to use that word on this program today. Not calling me by a correct name. That might be another one for some people because we've had so many people over the years talk about that. Uh, no nicknames and all the rest of it. No ghetto slang around me. I mean, it might extend to a lot of, you know, different uh, components and just in terms of what is acceptable professional workplace behavior and saying, hey, it is it is OK for me to say I am not going to participate in this. This is not acceptable. This is not professional uh, for a workplace environment. And I'm not going to be a part of it like that is acceptable. We should all have boundaries uh, professional standards for a work environment so bravo to hear that second did uh, let's see uh, other folks who dialed in uh, if you have commentary uh, suggestions questions to add uh, launch should be open proceed their thoughts together I will assume uh, again the folks that are spectating I hope things are spectacular in the workplace or I don't even know what that looks like now if that means you are still at home right and not having to go in 
grand like you have all the support uh, hopefully they have given you a machine of some sort and you're super codified about how you use that where you are uh, in terms of your location for the zoom meetings in your residence uh, and then how you use their machine uh, not using it like it's yours store it away put it in the garage trunk of the car wherever uh, if you're working from home uh, if you're working in the workplace hopefully you are safe they are respecting all kinds of boundaries, right? Social distancing and everything, calling you correct name. You get your correct uh, paycheck deposited and all that other good stuff. Like hopefully that is what is happening. And again, you can be taking notes, compile like these are things to do. These are things to not do, hopefully to get that work situation uh, to this point with this this uh, as close to nirvana as you can expect. While white supremacy racism still exists, where you're not being mauled, raped, they call you by the correct name. You get your correct salary, get all your sparkling reviews, jot down some notes and hopefully you can share so we can try to emulate some of uh, that. I guess I'll call it pseudo nirvana. If that's what's, you know, really, uh, really happening. Uh, let's see. Make sure I didn't miss any of our emails. And then I'll check so some of the folks. I think they either might be trying to get to a quieter environment and or uh, waiting a little bit to share their thoughts. We'll nab some of our other folks as well. Double checking to make sure I did not miss any of our other uh, emails as well. Until justice at Gmail dot com. Uh, and make sure I get in as well with all of the hubbub about the shooting. That's, you know, we'll talk about that tomorrow for the compensatory call in. Again, I would not have anything to say about the shootings, uh, sharing details about the Rona and all that in the workplace either. No comment. You don't have to say that specifically, but I mean, that's the end result. No comment. I don't think there's anything to be gained uh, by hopping in, hopping into some sort of dialogue about, you know, what happened in Atlanta and was it a hate crime? Why did he do it? None of that. Uh, should we have gun law reform? And none of that. Like, keep it if uh, there are white people on the job and they want to talk about any of those things, you can listen. I know some folks have said, hey, ask some questions might be a great opportunity to do so, but I would not make any statements about any of this. Uh, even if you work with other black people, non, it would be the same thing. Nothing to say. We heard the uh, person who wrote in uh, talking about the victims of racism being used for spying and, you know, doing some sort of recon for racists uh, on the job. That is to be expected. So same thing. I don't have anything to say to them either uh, about the shooting uh, in any of them. Probably be some more before we get off this call. But I don't have anything uh, to say about any of that. It's it, it's tragic. Nothing else. That's about it tragic and moving forward if they want to talk even if if it's black people if they wanted to talk like mm, that might be that was not planned but that might be about it mm. I'm not giving a retort I'm not giving my view I'm not leading into it at all I'm thinking Ooh, does this person have their phone on like trying to record me is Alexa on nearby like Hmm. Is the photocopier working again? <laughs> like pivot away from the conversation. Did we have a meeting about what we're supposed to do if people come in and they're not wearing a mask? 
that is way more important than hearing any of your coworkers' views on what is happening geopolitically right now. Unless I'm in error. Let's see. Folks, uh, spectating. See if folks are spectating or if they have got their thoughts to share. Let's see. Can I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Sorry to um, speak again, but I, I, I was thinking of um, a story that kind of happened at my old workplace that was kind of a juxtapose to what was happening um, to the person who was trying to cash their check. A white uh, female at my old job um, cashed $25,000 check into her own bank account for my job and was, um, she was actually my boss and she was arrested for it. And I remember going into work that day and our head um, director making so many excuses for it, implying that, oh, you know, she probably just had a bunch of other checks that she was cashing and didn't realize that she was cashing this $25,000 check into her account or just trying to make up any excuse to not, like, deal with the realization that this woman was trying to embezzle money from this job. I think it's really interesting how, you know, white people can really just get away with so much. Talk about it. Uh, And a white woman, uh, no less, $25,000. In same thing they said about the fella in Atlanta, although I wouldn't talk about that in the workplace setting, but yeah, he was just having a bad day. She was... She's just having a tough day. She didn't get her Starbucks and, you know, that $25,000 check just slipped in. She wasn't even paying attention. You know, she's get, she gets so many $25,000 checks that, you know, it's hard to distinguish one from the other. That one, if you're feeling frisky, I guess you could put that in the form of a question. Really? Are you sure this wasn't embezzlement? That's if you're feeling frisky for a day, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend uh, that as a question. But see, they stay away from using the correct terms. They don't want to just say, yeah, this is embezzlement. This is a great time to incorporate that word. No, nope. he was just confused. They don't want to call that fella in Atlanta a terrorist. Nope, he was having a bad day and a sex addict to boot. Very, very common not using the correct words in a system of racism, even though well, I'd say particularly in a workplace environment, using correct words uh, to describe what is happening. That's why uh, non-Clemson grad just has something been done incorrect here. <laughs> like that's just what we're coming back to. Like we can fast forward all of this. Can you just point out, has an error been committed? Did we do something incorrect? And just wait correct terms so important so vitally important and then white people doing criminal things standard operating procedure that's you know all day long every day <laughs> I said that we had I have to go back in the archive to find that we had uh, is it Kim Washington I think it's Kim Washington it's 2014 summer of 2014 uh, she was on the program is that 2013 nope it's 2014 she was on the program talked about work she has a whole book about uh workplace racism 40 hours and an unwritten rule 
she has a section in the book and in fact it's a web series there's uh you can go online on youtube and there's a web series uh with characters and everything white people racism comes up all of that anyway in the book and on the interview she has a section where she talks about uh black people like doing like some really like petty theft in the workplace and when i say petty like stealing paper clips making some uh long distance phone calls um stole a ribbon of paper that type of thing petty petty theft in the workplace and i said man you have freaking uh bernie madoff and wife they don't get you for a, a rack of staplers man they get like 50 million dollars like they cleaned out the whole pension like man like what it's not even a contest because of that exact same power dynamic where this white woman can go and be stealing checks. You can't even go and cash your little measly $10 check that you got for working 50 hours with Where's your passport, blood sample, urine sample, fingerprint, hair sent like, come on, $10, man. Come on. You just let her come in here and steal $50,000. Come on. give uh, the victim's name one more time before we get the other callers. Gwen Samuel again, the not a gangster, not a thug she didn't have a criminal record. Gwen Samuel, the CEO and founder of the Connecticut Parents Union I bet she wouldn't be able to steal 25 embezzle $25,000 from the credit of the Parents Union. I seriously doubt that she can't even get $1,000 out of her personal account system of white supremacy uh, other folks who dialed in much obliged ma'am other folks who uh, dialed in commentary to share proceed can I be heard Mo in Dallas yes sir All right. thank you sir uh, greetings Gus greetings listeners and callers uh, thank you for the program uh Speaking on um, human resources, I have, uh, well, I, I frequently I talk to um, black people about, you know, going to human resources to resolve issues, um, and I don't recall ever, like, uh, a, a non-white black person actually, like, receiving help, you know, uh, not just off of the initial, you know, um, interaction. It usually involves the, the, the victim to kind of follow up and basically become a, a private investigator at, the, at, at their job, you know, in order to receive some sort of, like, solution. If not, then they usually ignore it. Um, my, uh, personal story of the week, I have a, uh, coworker, a white male who, like, for, I don't know why, and I'm, I'm assuming he's practicing racism. He keeps leaving food for me at my desk, um, and, uh, not just food, it's chocolate. Um, like, uh, he maybe left chocolate 
twice this week, and it was all opened. Right. Well, you know, both of the items were open already, uh, and it's just strange. Yeah. Like I and. and like, so that's why I'm assuming it's racism. I don't understand. Like, we never had a conversation about, you know, candy. We, you know, I'm on a separate shift now. So, like, it's, it's just weird. Like, I don't know how to, I don't even know how to ask him to stop. Like, I like, you know, I don't, I've, I've, I've told him before, I don't eat candy. So I've just been throwing it away. You know, like, he'll leave it and, and, and and I asked a coworker next to me, um, you know, why is he doing this? Why do you think he's doing this, um, black male? He was like, I don't know, he's just giving, you know, he's a nice guy. I was like, he's so nice, he's giving me open candy, you know. Well, I'm not going to eat that. <laughs> um, that's, uh, sorry if the story wasn't as, you know, uh, robust as I, it could have been, but that's all I have. Thank you, I need my line. I was cracking up laughing. Um, now, again, uh, white people, they practice racism, white supremacy all over the world. Sometimes it seems even, you know, things that you think are curious and odd, they do the same things everywhere. Now, the caller in Florida said that they came and brought him a half open bag of peanut M&M's call themselves you know this is his reward for being a great civil servant you know in the sunshine state couldn't get him couldn't find an open bag at the vending machine half eaten bag of peanut M&M's uh, I, in terms of the motivation for doing it, the Welsing moment I guess number one for the chocolate uh, and then beyond all that I mean <sighs> I all of it just seems really tacky. I mean, it would be di- maybe, maybe it would be a little bit different if he was leaving like Godiva chocolate that was unopened in the plastic, right? You all had some sort of conversation where uh, you have told him, like, man, I am a fool about some chocolate. I mean, cuckoo for cocoa. That didn't have maybe it would be oh, okay, he's, you know. He would would fellas he's a nice guy. He's just giving, you know. He knows you like chocolate. He's indulging your sweet tooth, you know. That's not this at all. Like this is like some trash. Like I walked by the dumpster and ooh, a half eaten Snicker bar. Let me throw that on Mo's desk. Yeah, he'll like that, yeah. Like what come on. Come on. In fact, I might even start documenting because I don't know what this is. Like, is this chemical biological warfare? Is there anthrax on it? Like, do you just go by the dumpster and find half eaten candy and put it on my desk? Like, do you buy a candy bar, eat half of it, and leave it for me? Like, what is going on with all of this? Like, I would just take a photograph and then to the dumpster uh, with all of it. But I mean, I don't know if I would want to invest the brain power in studying, but it would certainly reaffirm like I'm never eating anything in the workplace given to me by anyone. And that the, something about forcing food on black people in the work, because we've had a bunch of caller, uh, the caller in Florida, he said it was custodial staff down there. They were bringing like ham hocks and meatloaf or whatever it is for the pot. Like, oh, come on, you got to eat. And he's like, oh, I'm good. I'm good. I said, what? What? 
matter of fact, we're going to get a petition. That nigger is going to eat. We are not going to, like, am I starving Ethiopia? Like, what is going on? Why are you so concerned? You got to force feed me. Am I in Guantanamo Bay? Miss me with all of the food. Uh, I wouldn't even have to lie about it. Just, nah, I'm good. I'm good. I would just always be good. I'm good. Other folks who dialed in, much obliged, Mo in Dallas. Primetime poisoning in the and it's still the Romans going on, right? Social distancing. Why do I need your hands all over something I'm gonna put in my mouth, ostensibly? Uh other folks uh who dialed in That's what I thought. I don't even touch people. <laughs> I guess may I be heard? Social distancing, man. Social distancing. Yes, ma'am, uh we can hear you as well. Okay. Um, I just have uh, uh, two questions. First, I want to acknowledge that the thing you just mentioned about the food, um, they do that at my workplace as well, and generally uh, they do, um, you know, it's more generally directed to, like, the custodian staff, and I never understood that, why they're, you know, so pushy about um, the food. Uh, my main question for you is, uh, when it, with the odds kind of being, well, with the odds being stacked against us, should we even try or attempt to get promotions? Um, I know in Mr. Fuller's book, and I haven't read it in a while, but I recall him saying that certain um, non-white people who are in positions of authority, it's because the uh, white supremacists have allowed them to have that position. So I start to kind of wonder, what is it about certain non-white people that um, white people, I guess, see or recognize to, I guess, allow them to have those positions? Uh, much obliged, ma'am. Uh, they see the food thing. That's why I said, you know, that would just further push me. No food in the workplace. I'm good forever. Wouldn't care if I'm starving. Um, my view, uh, and this is VGQ, my view, uh, they do such a unilateral job globally, like keeping black people from getting promotions and getting raises and everything like, you know, if you can get one, if you can try to get one, I would say, you know, get it, take it, uh, if you can with the understanding, you know, all of this is designed uh, to keep you from getting it and or if you do get it to put you in position so that you can be ridiculed, set you up to fail, that sort of thing. And or you might get this position to harm other black people like always thinking there's some strings attached. This is not just going to be I can sit my feet up and collect a big paycheck until, you know. 50 years have passed like it's probably not going to be that so I'm going to still be very alert for racism white supremacy but yeah I would say take it that's my view like if you can get a few more nickels uh, I think Mr. Fuller talks about the opportunity to learn more even and in fact especially about the system of white supremacy maybe even primarily about that system when you get these promotions and things so yeah I would say do it that's how you mm-hmm. learn more about the system even sometimes uh, I know he applied that to President Obama uh, that that's how you learn you know if you're on a slave ship if you get promoted to the top of the deck you take it now you know more about the slave ship that could help you in the revolt and figuring out what the heck is going on as opposed to being at the bottom of the boat you're still confused uh, I know everyone doesn't agree with that I guess my only addendum would be everyone doesn't agree with that however in the system of white supremacy in fact we got cows callers who have said 
I saw this or I was offered a promotion something seemed awry about this like they might be setting me up for failure or whatever it is I declined the promotion we are in a system of white supremacy so guess what the promotion decline was not accepted and they made her take the promotion so sometimes you don't even get to decline it they just say nope you got the promotion and that's all there is to it so that would at least for me is another reason hey take it because they might give it to you even if you don't want it so extra money you know all that take it update your resume and expect them to practice racism uh, does that did that answer the question? Is that okay. logical? Okay, I just want to. Oh, oh yeah, that that's um, that's very um, logical. Um, yeah, because I guess due to you know everything that we deal with and go through, you kind of get to the point where um, you get uh, I can't think of the right wording, but discouraged I guess from applying or trying to do better things because of how the system is set up, and maybe that is. Well, not maybe. I'm pretty sure that is intentional um, when you're never allowed to move up, and so you don't even um, try anymore. And I think, <clears throat> I don't know if you got that second question, but back um, to Mr. Fuller's book, you know, um, as he was saying that there's certain people that he, that the white supremacists allow in positions, uh, people um, that are non-white. And I, I'm just asking you, I wonder what it is, or I, I guess, I'm just kind of curious on, well, how, how would they make, how do they make that selection for those? Because I, I recall him saying that even if, uh, you know, a uh, black person is in a higher position, that they're just um, supervisor or super advisor um, entitled, you know, only. So how, in terms of how do they select those folks um, in my view yeah uh, yes I think you just kind of wonder just making sure I didn't miss, uh, cut you off from the question um, my view I think white like uh, I think non-Clemson grad he was talking about the terroristic white woman that came and you know was studying his whole countenance and don't you roll your eyes at me and you ought to be careful about that if the camera's on you know I mean they study black people we've had so many black people who've talked about black females where other white women they know all the details you know what type of lipstick you wear what type of clothes you wear. I mean fine details you know how many times a day you use your breast pump and I mean <laughs> come on like they're not ignorant about black people so I think uh, and I could be totally incorrect but I think they tend to is this a black person that we think we can manipulate we can use it seems like this black person's black self respect is kind of low that's the person that we want we don't want the person that's going to be asking questions and looking like they're trying to help other black people that's not the person that we want we want the person because like I said the racism white supremacy agenda is going to be there so it's whatever it is we want to hire this person to mistreat other black people we want to hire this person to set them up to fail whatever it is the agenda is not we're hiring this person to promote justice and really aid all the black people at the company so a lot of times it's not like they're picking a super not saying every time just saying a lot of times they're not picking a super qualified outstanding black candidate and even if they do sometimes they still have the nefarious things lined up for that person too so um, my view like I said it's 
Number one, making sure we're not going to get the person who's confused about racism, white supremacy. I'm sure they have other criteria depending on, you know, what type of company it is, what the position is, that sort of thing. But a lot of times it's connected to racism. So it's not just going to be this is a brilliant black person who can do the job. So that's who we want. Oh, and as for the discouragement component, totally logical. Um, That's a part of the system, right, to to generate uh, black people and victims of white supremacy in general, but especially black people with very low levels Mm -hmm. of ambition. Don't want to do anything. Don't want to try to do anything. Learned helpless. They have uh, psychology terms for that. Learned helplessness. So you've just given up. Uh, It's not even worth it to try. Uh, And that's where I talk about switching uh, plantations, that type of thing. Not that they're, you know, just going to discontinue practicing racism, mm-hmm. but sometimes the specific job that you're in is totally worthless, dead end. Sw- switching plantations can be helpful uh, to get in a better environment where you can do a little bit more, advance your career. But absolutely, the system is designed to just totally wear out any wherewithal that black people might have to want to do something constructive positive with their career even with their life beyond just your career with your life uh so yeah i think it's super important to stay motivated uh to to want those promotions to try to excel and to try to extract yourself if you're in an environment where you can see like oh yeah there's no possible chance i'm spinning my wheels here let me try to find something better if that makes sense that makes perfect sense. Uh, thank you, Gus, for answering my questions, and thank you for um, doing this. You know, every week I typically, you know, uh, listen in each week to kind of hear about everyone's experiences and what every, um, how everyone, you know, kind of gives advice. So we have our own, you know, um, uh, I, I guess um, way of kind of handling these different things. And I know a lot of the times you say to kind of write down every experience you know, that we ha- that we have to kind of keep it as a journal. But I've also thought about, you know, um, in a way, uh, and I think Mr. Fuller already does this, but, you know, any, um, like, certain scenarios that are encountered at work, not only can we, you know, write them down, we can kind of, um, you know, come up with, like, a, I want to say exact solution for our particular scenario so that when it comes up again, you know, whatever topic it might be, we can kind of refer to our own personal journal to kind of see if this is how we handle, you know, this particular situation and to, you know, use that in the future. And, you know, everybody's experiences, you know, will be, you know, different. But, you know, I, I'm that's what I'm considering um, to start actually doing is to, you know, write down, you know, certain scenarios, you know, what happened and, you know, my actions and, you know, how that ended up, um, how it, you know, turned out for me and to just use it as a guide to, um, you know, handle situations. But once again, thanks for everything you've done. And um, I appreciate you answering my question. Much obliged, ma'am. That's a fantastic uh, idea. Maybe some other people can, you know, use that one as well. Um, Just because that allows your brain computer to work. Uh, and using logic like this situation happened what's the best possible way that I can handle this situation what would I say what not to say what to do and it might be that something similar 
might happen and just that exercise of using logic to solve that problem and figure out and again the goal solving problems without creating new problems that I think is just so helpful for the brain computer and just getting in a habit of what's the best way what's the best thing to think what's the best word what's the best thing to say what's the best thing to do uh, I think it's it will strengthen that logic component and you'll just get better about it get better about it uh, have better responses better live time responses for how to deal with those scenarios uh, might even be something you know worthy of a book or a publication because there's such little literature unless I have really met like there are billions of book and I don't even think that's an exaggeration on racism and sex like it's it's more of them than you could read in a lifetime like tons of them they do not have lots of books on specifically like books these are self-help books if you will for black people dealing with racism in the workplace like it's not big piles uh, of those books like you will exhaust that supply real quick so yes right and like I said that's such a wonderful exercise for the brain computer thinking of those responses ahead of time it will allow you to be a lot more nimble on your feet live time and what you want to say what you want to do uh, as we proceed any any other folks have want to respond to those questions as we move along that's fine as well uh, in terms of uh, the promotions uh, in a workplace is it is it worth it to even uh, take them or to continue to try to get them since so many of us are denied them uh, if you have thoughts about that and or the selection process when race soldiers say oh yes this is the the nigra that we want to fill this permission be the new supervisor uh, folks any thought have thoughts about that process uh, let's see other folks uh, if we missed you totally you have commentary to share uh, proceed Have you heard? Caller in Florida? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you very much, sir. Greetings to Gus, the host, the listeners and callers. Um, I have noticed in uh, my 10 years at the uh, courthouse, almost 10 years, um, that is accurate where they will select uh, a black person that, uh, that doesn't seem to speak uh, against mistreatment against uh, black people and does seem to distance themselves from um, most of the black people in the office, especially black people that speak against racism, white supremacy, or injustices. Uh, and they do things to, I guess, watch or kind of spy on, uh, probe around areas, areas where black people are and go back to uh, make reports to race soldiers. Uh, they do tend to select those individual black people um but i think with my code just to add this 
my code with how to engage with those individuals has just been pretty much uh, uh, let's get the work done and uh, I enjoy helping the people, helping the public, or good morning. Kind of like short, concise comments like that and just going on about our business even though they know, like, they know what I do, like, my reputation, especially over the past maybe three years, like, they know I've been uh, speaking out or speaking against whites, and they've seen me do it. Um, and I haven't really had really too many problems, fortunately, with them. Uh, and I think that comes from the advice that I've got from programs like this where it is logical to stay focused on the white people. Um, and they tend to have those high positions, at least where I work, supervisor, management, administrators, things like that. So it's been effective when uh, I say, you know, I want to, I've said I want to ask questions to the people in charge or the supervisors. Um, but uh, as far as the updates for the week, um, I wanted to share some of the uh, observations. Um, the first, I'll add a quick uh, social media screenshot that I uh, haven't shared. I noticed this particular uh, MAGA support, uh, Trump supporter, white, young white woman, she posted uh, an image, and she tends to post or repost or share something that it looks like it appears to be from a black person's page or whatever. And it says, girls be like... And then it has a comment that says, I like a man in uniform. And then beneath it, it says me. In response to that, it says me. And then it says, first of all, that's an inmate. Okay, so, you know, I think that's racist. Um, given the other post that she's put up, that's something, you know, that I think an uh, image Itself, I think a white person put that together, um, and they have a clever way of showing their racism. Uh, my next one is it's okay. It's two of them. Uh, well, really, this is three. This has to do with like uh, children, right? White children. Well, two of them is white children. Um, the first is, this was reported to me by a black female victim and this, uh, white man, one of the few white men that work in the office brought his, uh, white female offspring into the office to pick up something from the, uh, the child's mother's desk area because they are they both work in the same area so you know that's white power right there 
have two white people dating each other in the same office. So um, she said that he took and introduced the child, his white child, to the uh, other white people in the office and skipped from her observation, skipped another black female and skipped introducing the child to her. So we talked this week and that was one of the ones she shared with me. And this same guy was, I guess I use the metaphor given that performance of, yeah, you know, we got to change the new generation. You know, we got to do better with this race thing or whatever. So this is, this is, what he's doing okay he's he's um constructing the nexus the the next generation of races just by doing that right there like no slurs or nothing just that act is uh consciously racist not ignorant um my next one is we take passport pictures as i shared before and uh this was monday morning the black female victim was taking a photograph of two young white children. One was an infant or like maybe like a one-year-old white baby. And then the next one was a three-year-old, three years old now. Okay. And there was a white mom, white dad with the two children. So she's, cause she likes to do this. She uh, speaks with with them and engages in everything. So she asks the young white girl, three years old, oh, hey, what is your name? She says, hi, my name is Isla Rose. Isla Rose, I guess, a two-part first name. And the victim responds saying, oh, well, that's just an awesome name. That's just so beautiful. I love that name. That's just so beautiful. And the the little white girl goes, yeah, I know. I know it is. <laughs> so um, she's learning that entitlement in that, uh, that white power um, status early. You know, I picked up on that, like just listening. And I had the phone to my ear. So I heard the little white girl say, yeah, I know. Like, I know it is. Like, what are you talking about? I know it's beautiful. So she uh, responds saying, okay, okay. And she asked her, what is her birthday? And she just kept saying, yep, 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 uh, to the black female. And the dad goes, hey, say yes, ma'am. Say thank you. And the mom isn't saying anything. She's not saying nothing at all. All right. So she asked what is your birthday? If you know this, I'm going to be really impressed. Uh, so the three-year-old looks to the mom, hey, what is what is my birthday? <laughs> so she didn't know that. Uh, and the white man, the dad, now he, this puts everything into uh, perspective for me. He, he goes, huh, well, she, uh, she, she isn't as humble as she should be. Humble, right? So, okay. I don't even know these people, but that's that's the kind of stuff that I that I see. Um uh, I have another one where 
this necessarily isn't involving a white child, uh, but there's a um, a pregnant black female victim, and she went into labor this week. So this was on this was reported to me on Tuesday, uh, and there was a white woman. Now it's supposed to be so-called uh, Women's Month, I believe, right? So this is a white woman. Not a black female reported this to me, right? So white woman, racist, in the clique, she says, huh, you know what? I need to get with Blink so I can get pregnant so I don't have to go down to the drive-thru. Okay, so the context of that is the black female, she's she's been pregnant for the, um, you know, the last, exactly, for the last uh nine to ten months the usual amount of time uh and she had to work at the drive-thru so she's been pregnant so the white person says hey i might need to get pregnant i need to get with this guy who she has two children with i need to get with him to get pregnant so i don't have to go down to the drive-thru all right so whole bunch of area eight right there so i'm like are you (laughs) Like I said, that is racist. That's what I told her, and she agreed with me. So you know, we share reports or whatever. Um, and if I could add one more, uh, there uh, is supposed to be some more um, slots being filled. We have four positions open, and one black female is about to leave from the juvenile department. So another member, okay, like this, they spread around their different ages. Um, in the break room, she asked this black female, another victim, she's going down to Orlando, Orlando, Florida, not too far from here. So uh, she asked the black person, oh, are you on, you on the countdown, right? And she says, oh, yeah, I'm ready to get out of here. So, and... Uh, they start talking, and the uh, the white female says, "Oh, are you gonna make sure you stay in touch with me? Then I'll be able to let you know what's going on here. I'll give you the updates." And the black person says, "Black female says, oh, I already know. Ain't nothing gonna change here. Ain't nothing gonna change. They're still gonna do the same stuff." So I said, "Huh?" You know, in my head, I said that, but I was eating my food, you know drinking my water and stuff. So uh, she says, um, you know, this place would really be better if we had better management. And then she used her index finger and she pointed in the direction of the white people and said, no, I'm not talking about them, the white people in charge, the top tier, and then used her thumb to point behind her, pointing to the civil area in that direction. Uh, And then she says, especially your supervisor and assistant supervisor. Now, the people she uh, pretty much pointed out as being quote-unquote bad, these are two white people that she's very close in association with. So she tried to bait her in again. She tried to use that same tactic to get her to uh, use disparaging words and um, saying negative things about them 
so that she can run back and go tell them. So the victim didn't fall for that. Uh, and then they shared some other things that I've been writing down as well, but the racism still is in full effect, if I can say that. Um, but they have been trying to stay away from me, but I still speak out against them. And they seem to not want me to talk to the, the white person in the back. So they try to do everything they can to discourage that. Um, and I still been drinking my water and everything and trying to encourage black people to do it. Uh, and that's all I have to share. Thanks for allowing me to speak. Gallon and a half of water. I love it. Drink more water. We should all be setting our goal and it's getting warmer too. So we should all be drinking even more water, especially I guess, sunshine state and all the rest. Uh, did you have a, a, a quick, uh, theory since you are in the same boat, uh, where white people have brought you uh, half opened candy in the workplace as to, uh, why they might be doing such a thing. The caller before said he was trying to see if he could piece together why this white fella is leaving him half open snicker bars and such. Uh, did you have a thought? Why, why would they bring me half open candy other than just being tacky and racist? That is, that is a good observation. I do remember that happening. Um, I would definitely think that that's a, a tacky racist act and just trying to see if they can control you by any means to see if you can, if you will just deny something, if you will tell them no or not, you know, thinking that they can just approach you with anything and just to see if you'll accept it. That's what I'm thinking. Um, because with something being that obvious, uh, especially when it's some kind of food item, I know I've heard the code of you can just walk around the corner and just throw it in the trash or something like that. That's what I've done too, but that's what I would think because when I, when it first happened to me, it's just like, wow, did they really just do this? You know, and I just, didn't even touch it so they tend to they tend to have like those um candy bowls sitting around at the desk area but they recently stopped it and uh one white woman said she saw another white woman um do something nasty i guess (laughs) to put her hand in the bowl so definitely disgusting on that part but uh yeah, I definitely would be suspicious of somebody bringing me something open like that if that person has experienced it. Hmm. Much obliged. Uh, I guess the other caller with the candy, I guess you can let us know if you come up with a theory as for what's happening with that, the half open candy. Uh, although the experiment in terms of you saying, you know, white people, they try and test you, see if they can control you type of thing. Like he, uh, caller in Florida has worked with white women who do the experiments and things. Um, <clears throat> there could be a different form of that. Like, let's just see, you know, let's see how gullible this nigger is. You know, let's, let's see. Maybe I can leave some candy and he'll be nibbling. Like, you never, like I said, you never know. And it could be anthrax in it and, you know, who knows. Um, let's see. The, the, 
candy because he started off with that one the fella coming by and, and any sort of food thing like who knows he could have put a laxative in it or anything um, with the social media or that was the other fella with the uh, social media where I guess it was you like a fella in uniform you know how they do the me or whoever it is one person is talking they do the dialogue so person in uniform and they respond that's a person that's an inmate that's what I, that's an inmate like I can totally see the racism uh, white supremacy there The I guess the uniform is an orange uh, jumpsuit or whatever um especially if this is this is supposed to be the dialogue of like some non-white people especially black people uh what have you like again these are like civil servants like i don't know why this is supposed to be the sort of thing that people who work at the courthouse who people who do the passport photos and such like when you go to get your wedding license like why are you posting this on social media like click document put that in my file like right on keep rolling uh let's see the fella i always hate all of that the um i guess this wasn't like uh bring daughter to work day what is it daddy daughter day or mommy daughter day or whatever it is bring your children to work day but man we have talked before when they uh white people bring their children into the work environment like woo have a code uh they practice racism white supremacy like you have to be really uh alert uh they are not ignorant about racism as the little uh white woman or a white child i should say white girl uh as she demonstrated like one i think he said that these folks were going uh to get their passport photos that's one of the things at the courthouse uh <laughs> you're not ignorant about like I didn't get my passport until way down the road. She's taking passport photos at three. Like they are going to get her a global education on white supremacy, racism right now. And it's springtime. So they probably setting up for the summer, like uh, to see if they can get out and view the world, show her just, you know, looking at all that you rule. Yes. This will one day be yours to dominate all of the colored people that you see like, and all of it she gives her name and it can't just be oh thank you mm-hmm, mm-hmm. no it's oh that's such a beautiful name oh I know I know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah yeah like at three like <laughs> dang <laughs> I mean and then the dad to try to he he's around her all the time he that's what he raised his wife is probably like that too like she's not as humble as she should like please please that's the and particularly that sort of attitude talking to a black person I could maybe see that if she had been talking to a white woman but her talking this way to a black person like oh yeah that is a nigger that's right that's right mm-hmm. that's right I'm in charge I already know and uh, then she they the the backing up to with the white man brought his child in and they go around and do I guess the meet and greet or whatever it is with the folks in the office but they conveniently miss the negras I said I already know they are not going by the segregated area like I did not bring my little angel to come in and head over to see the segregated negras like we'll you know talk about that on the way home we'll say hi to a few of these kindly white women up here and dig in their candy bowl and then make our way out of here but you know, got this old uppity nigger over here asking questions and all the rest of it like yeah that's the segregated section we don't talk to them keep it moving <laughs> like uh, not and exactly as he said no racial slurs needed 
He didn't run through the courthouse. Got niggers over here, yeah. coons here. He didn't, uh, 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 he didn't do any of that. Refinement in the 21st century. I just, I, in fact, I don't have to say a word to the niggers. You already know. What is it? Black lives are not valuable. You already know. I don't need to say that. Mum, as we walk by their desk. and that's one when Dr. Welsing when she said I understand this is what I expect in a system of white supremacy I'm not sitting there on pins and needles like oh I'm going to get to meet his daughter this is so great nope <laughs> like I already know he's walking by my desk right on she's probably got the cooties anyway no problem was she wearing a mask Uh, she didn't say if they had the mask on. I'm thinking they did, because they have it required where the uh, the the sheriff bailiffs at the front door they make sure the people have on the mask. So he was coming in to pick up something from uh uh the mother's desk area, and he was I guess just um, introducing the little girl around. I have two girls and she was the oldest one so she said skip the black female in the other department and then skipped her because she sits at a certain area where she can see pretty much all the departments so she has a good view of things so uh, she said she thought that was it was racism in that obviously like uh why not just go and meet all the people that you work with and hang out with every day or certainly the people that you're passing even if you don't work with them directly like oh hey this little one this is my daughter and just wanted to let her say hi all the good folks at the courthouse help things run here in North Florida and <laughs> negras negras and my feelings aren't even hurt like no problem As it, she's got the cooties anyway I'm trying to social distance we got the Rona no problem like uh keep it moving um the joint we get a second reminder right if you are in a work environment even if it's another non-white person this uh in this scenario it was a white person but even if it's a non-white person and they come up to you and are on you know oh that kelly is just the worst and she comes in late every other day and she can't get anything corrected oh we have to go and correct her forms every other day and why did they hire do not ever participate in basically it's gossip that's in the code book one of the 10 stops to not gossip but I mean that sort of thing is lethal do not ever get suckered into that a white person coming to do that they're just going to sit around and trash and talk bad about these people like come on you know none of the negras at the courthouse do any hiring or firing why are you wasting your time lobbing these complaints at a negra if you don't think this white person is qualified shouldn't have this job especially if it's a supervisor you know who to talk to to get that resolved it's not these black people you're talking to so what is all this for that's another great opportunity Mr. Edward Williams Jr. his suggestion when they do all that and they're just oh my god Bill is the worst supervisor ever and that whole section has been terrible since he took over when they get to the end he said wow 
What can we do to help Bill? Most of the time, <laughs> conversation is done right there. Like, I was going to get that nigga calling him names and all this. We're going to get him fired. He's going to ask me a question. That's another question that they don't answer either. Like, I didn't come talking to you to help Bill. We wanted to call him names and get some entrapment. There's another E word. Uh, get you recorded, uh, you know, talking some trash and calling him names and all that. What do you mean, help Bill? We're not trying to help it. Get try again tomorrow do this again <laughs> like that's what we got tat doesn't get any better than tacky and speaking of tacky then the white woman goes oh man we got a pregnant black mom here it's not oh what can we do are you having a baby shower are you registered somewhere can we bring you some pampers and make sure you're eating do you know that book you are what your grandparents ate make sure you eat nah, 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 nah. I need to go grab your husband and have some children. Like, yes, yes, sir. I, I, I'm sorry to, uh, but I have to add. This is so important. The treachery in this, because that. Okay, let me connect this. The same guy that walked past the black female victim with his child. That is the child of the same female that said that about the pregnant black female and she threw a baby shower for the same victim <laughs> that's clowning that's clowning wow <sighs> white people super super treacherous and tacky uh, to come in with all of that and it's oh she can't be racist because she threw you know a baby shower uh, for her she totally uh, hooked it wrong totally I have no idea what the baby shower was like they could have had you know Luke bass music uh, playing and all the rest of it but I mean wow like if that's the case then this is your homie this is your friend why am I talking about grabbing uh, I don't know if they're married or what you know whatever it is but why am I talking about grabbing your partner some black male uh, and getting pregnant by him just so that I don't have to go to the drive-thru I mean that's another you can do we can do the thought exercise now do I think she would have said something like that if this was a pregnant white woman with a white husband or a white partner you know whatever hmm I don't know it seems kind of I mean it just seems really tacky all the way around like why am I talking about engaging in some sort of sexual intercourse with <sighs> all the way tacky area 8 like uh, yeah I would not be doing baby shower talked about that before like I would not even accept a baby shower from co-workers uh, I think we had talked before about not announcing if you're pregnant if you're a female or either way really not announcing uh, that you're pregnant obviously for one of those parties it's going to show so you know uh, but yeah I would not encourage doing baby showers or any of that with your co-workers uh, swapping pictures going into a lot of detail uh, and things about your pregnancy these are not your family members what did Megan Markle say you're not part of the firm they do not need to know what your plans are to breastfeed what the due date is are you having a boy or a girl or anything else like I would try to be as mum as possible about all that and that is what we just heard that is an extraordinary reason why the very 
trifling white people that are going to waddle in and pretend that they care about you and want the best for your child and all the rest of it will be the same ones on social media trashing you out and doing and even exactly what he said now that's the mom the little girl that comes in we don't even acknowledge niggers but she'll put the baby shower together in her spare time doesn't get any better than super extra tacky man sunshine state much obliged uh, caller in Florida uh, do we have any other folks we have uh, I don't know few minutes last few minutes in the program we had any folks who wanted to respond about the promotion uh, question that was posed do you take the promotion something like I said sometimes white people don't give you an option uh, as well as the uh, question about whom is selected I think uh, caller in Florida got that one who gets selected for these jobs any other folks comments they want to get in before we get ready to conclude Everybody good? Covered all the bases. Grant will assume folks are Saturday satisfied for our Saturday evening. Probably stayed up too late for uh, Miss C. Uh, I can only emphasize, man, talk all the time as though you're being recorded. Uh, to have another white person come in and try and set up a black person to get them to say something, man. Like always, we got Alexa. Even the three-year-old probably has uh, a cell phone, so always uh, speak as though <clears throat> you're being recorded, transcribed, all of the above. White person or non-white person, just get yourself in a habit of talking that way. It will save you more often than not. Uh, I don't think any uh, victims of racism, I don't think any of us can afford to speak in a reckless manner about racism, white supremacy certainly not in the workplace whether you're talking about racism or not and we shouldn't be talking about racism in the workplace so yeah being precise about what we say and frequently I think we even had some callers sometimes the best thing to say is nothing we will be here uh, tomorrow compensatory call in catch up on it's been a busy uh, spring unpleasant year lots of white shoes I am curious that'll be a thought exercise for tomorrow the Colorado shooter uh, his name is kind of lengthy Alyssa I think it's Ahmed Alyssa long name but do people think he's classified as white the name threw me when I saw him I was like oh yeah I think he's a white man but the name threw me and then I saw a report where he said in high school he thought they were practicing racism against him now white people do this all the time say they're victims of racism so that's not you know but I am curious just to see if any any of the folks think that he is a non-white person I think he is classified as white I haven't seen any reports where they say this is a non-white person or something something that would suggest that he is a non-white person but we shall see uh, tomorrow 9 p.m. Eastern 6 p.m. Pacific and then Dr. Gerald Horn will be with us uh, next week the bitter sweet science looking forward to it uh, much obliged to all the folks who dialed in hope it was worthy of your Friday evening sobriety would be best under conditions 
of white supremacy. We will need high-functioning brain computers to solve this problem. In addition to being sober, I say let's hunker down. Colorado, Florida, <clears throat> excuse me, Atlanta. Lots of danger uh, out there in the system of white supremacy. Uh, if you go out, we're not confronting strangers. Uh, if you see someone being hostile, loud in a public area, think this person could be armed. This person may be with a whole group of guys and gals who are also armed and ready to kill. If you didn't leave your residence, prepare to die and or kill. Exit. Uh, this is not a time for unnecessary risk. Uh, there are lots of really dangerous white people and non-white people but I mean wow white people and their firearms they can do a lot of damage uh, with that if you gotta go out you are sober driver or passenger you're buckled if you're driving you are not on the cell phone uh, we need to be very alert about what's happening around us and we're trying to minimize contact with the Mark Furmans of the known universe. That said, Creator, we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people, victims of white supremacy. We ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves. Remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times, in all places, each and every time we are in contact with another black person. No name calling, workplace or no, no name calling. Talked about that a lot this week. So important. Minimizing conflict with other black people, victims of white supremacy. Easy one. No name calling. Cal signing out. Thanks all for tuning in. Nigga, you so brainwashed. I'm a victim, What's your brother. Problem? You're a victim. Yeah. I'm a up. victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my condition. Mm -hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.